And we're going to have Mark Sanchez on today, a guy I have known. Um, so my brother Carson is almost five years older than me. Mark is three years younger than me. And when my brother was starting on varsity as a junior in high school at Santa Margarita Catholic High School, the Eagles, Mark and I were ball boys. No so, way. Yeah. So everyone, like a lot of people know, like, oh, yeah, you guys went to the same high school. It's like, well, hold up. Like, I'm talking like fifth grade. He was like a second grader, little guy with a fro. Um, and so I go way back with Mark. He's neighbors for you and I, for you in the offseason. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and one of the smartest football minds that I've been around. Uh, the definition of a gym rat, uh, just living in the gym, trying to figure out how to get better every day. And uh, I'm excited. This is going to be a fascinating. I've talked to him for I don't know how many hours over the course of my life. And same with you. We golf, we hang out. We did a golf trip last year with him. Um, but I haven't interviewed him ever. So excited to talk ball with him today. And so if you're going to bring in a backup, bring in somebody who's the fifth overall pick and was a baller for a long time, right? One we'll of the greatest. Kyle Allen or Jordan Palmer. No, we're just average backups. <laughs> you're not investing in your team if you're investing in us right now. Exactly. Um, exactly. So, Mark Sanchez, man. So, without further ado, let's get into the coach's script. This is our uh, opening drive here, and uh, we're going to dive into a wild, wild weekend in football. Uh, but we're going to look at it from a quarterback's perspective. Let's dive in. Yeah, the good part about this episode, even though we got stood up, the, the NFL weekend was insane. And insane. I think the more the season goes on, the storylines are going to keep getting better and better. So, I still think we got a ton of shit to talk about, a ton of different quarterbacks playing, a ton of crazy games that came down to the end. And I always, this is always my thing. We played an away game this weekend when we came home. Today, I come home and on YouTube, NFL got on their YouTube channel, they have the recap of all the games where it's like 14 minutes of all the highlights. So after I go in and work out, watch the film, come back home, I literally just sit on my couch for three hours and just watch all the highlights of all the games. And it's so much better. So, you know, you, when you're playing in the league, you watch so much of your team and you watch so much of your opponent that week. There's really not that much time left to pay attention to what happened outside of a Sunday night game, a Monday night game. And that's about it. Mm -hmm. And so I used to have to wait for inside the NFL on HBO with like yeah. Chris Sims and Jim Brown and whoever else it was. Uh, I used to have to wait to watch that to just like figure out what the hell happened this week and like how those guys win by three. And like, how was that a seven point, you know, and so to be able to sit down now and turn on YouTube and catch up, it's like, oh, man, got no excuse to not know it done. Did you ever hear the games playing on the Jumbotron pregame? Like if you had the afternoon slot, did they have the games up? No, they would show like, like if you're if I was on the Bengals, they'd show like the Browns getting beat. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or like the Steelers getting scored on because then like, you, you know, like pepper the crowd a little bit. Yeah. Um, and then like fantasy, this was years ago. So like fantasy started to become a thing where they'd show that in uh in stadiums or individuals or what they're doing but it was, it was it was usually just to get the crowd hyped and get them pissed off at whoever the rival was on that team so yeah that was the best about playing the afternoon slot like like teams like arizona we played in denver this weekend they're always like the west coast teams always in the afternoon slot so we're going in the locker room you get to the locker room and every locker room's usually got tvs on and they just throw all the morning games on so you get there super early right we got there like three and a half hours before a game this week and we had um, the Bucks Saints game on when um, Mike got in a fight. Mike Evans got in a fight with Mar Marshawn Lattimore in the middle of the game. And you look up and like our whole locker room of 60 guys are just like standing around watching that game and watching that fight happen. Uh, one of the things I saw talking about getting hyped and getting all fired up was uh, I didn't know that the Jets had come back and won until I went on Instagram and saw mm -hmm. Gary V, his Instagram post of just receipts fucking receipts blah 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 Rush so that got me going on the jets and also 
little vindication for me. Um, I made a comment last week. We talked a little bit about um, teams that invest in backup quarterbacks and teams that don't. And so the Jets, a team that invested in it, they gave Joe Flacco a $3.5 million deal plus incentives. And first Jets QB with 300 passing yards, four touchdowns since Vinny Testaverde in 2000 against the Dolphins, same team. That's a crazy Um, And came back and played great. Beat, you know, came back and beat the Browns or beat the Browns. Um, And uh, yeah, it was a pretty crazy day. And there you go. There's a backup veteran guy who came in and saved the day. Yeah, he played great. And that was another thing. Those those games were on in the morning when we were watching and everyone was watching that game. But it was just like we talked about last week. Like even investing in your backup right here, like a three and a half million dollar deal in a backup. Like when it comes down to the cap and all that, like a three and a half million dollar deal to a backup is like probably what should be the standard for a backup unless you're paying like a rookie or something. But to invest that amount of money in a guy who we've talked about, we talked about a week one on our show about Joe, who I said that I threw deep on him. I think he'd still be a starting quarterback in this league. And it is kind of funny to watch his drops when he's back there. His drops look like he's going at like... Vinny Testaverde in 2000. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. He's taking a seven-step drop from under center, and it's like, how are the fucking defensive ends not in your lap yet? But he found a way to make it happen. They get the late onside kick. I mean, it looks bleak for a while, but um, also Garrett Wilson, right? Garrett Wilson's on the Jets. Olave's on the Saints, right? Garrett Wilson, just breakout game. Balled out. Two touchdowns. Yeah. uh, just awesome day for the Jets. Yeah, I think it's getting easier for rookie receivers to have success. There was a time when first-round receivers, it always took them two or three years so they got good, and now we're seeing rookies ball out right away. Drake London had a good game yesterday. Yeah. Um, and I just think like the level of college football, the amount of seven-on-seven seven when they're younger, the amount of balls they've caught versus really good competition. You know, Garrett Wilson, every single day at Ohio State for whatever, three, four years, went against a really good corner, whether that guy's a starter in the league, like Marshawn Lattimore from Ohio State, or he's like going to be a gunner in the league, or he's not going to make it to the league, but he still starts at OSU. Like, I just think they're they're just ready. And so these young, talented receivers are just balling early, and Garrett Wilson's going to be a star. And excited to see him when Zach Wilson gets back, just because Zach can manipulate the pocket so much differently than Joe. He can buy time. He can push the ball down the field. He can throw from, you know, on the run, all that stuff. So I'm excited to see what this Jets offense looks like when they get to all play together for a month or so. Because, I mean, with Zach Wilson's injury, I mean, for a young quarterback with a new system, I think the most important time in the year is that month before the season starts. And he that's literally where he went out is he missed the three preseason games and that type to develop. And so... That's going to cause everybody to take a step yeah. back. but Early in the season, too, I think. You know, I think the early in the season, first couple games for a quarterback, I think, you know, the training camp and preseason, like that last month leading up, you can you can get as many reps as you want, but there's nothing like those, like, first three games of really figuring out who you are as an offense. I say this every year. I feel like in training camp and over the summer, like, I've had no clue whether the team I was going to be on was going to be really good or really bad. Some years I've thought we'd be really bad, and we ended up being great. And a lot of years I come into the season thinking, we might have a shot at this, and we go five and whatever, you know? So I think, like, you kind of figure out who you are in those first couple of weeks, and I think we're feeling some of those growing pains here at the Texans, too. You're just trying to figure out your identity as an offense and, and who you are. And I think um, Zach Wilson is just such a different quarterback than Flacco, so they're going to have to figure that out in those weeks when he comes back. 
Yeah, totally. Another team's got to figure it out is the San Francisco 49ers. Out goes Trey Lance. Bummer. Looks like the same injury you had two years ago. Yeah. Um, Tough. Looks like a tib fib. I don't know the latest. Um, and obviously had surgery. Um, super bummer. Um, it's interesting. There's going to be a huge debate. Did the Niners dodge a bullet? Did, you know what I mean? And does Jimmy go in and roll? Uh, I'm just bummed for Trey because, you know, this was set up really well for him to have a great kind of second year campaign. Um, I know the work that guy put in and as good a dude as there is one of my, the night, like just one of the best, nice, best energy dudes I've been around, especially out of young guys, but he hadn't played a lot. He only played one year in college. Really? He, you know, I think he only started two years in high school. So he just really hadn't played quarterback that much. Yeah. And, um, so, so bummed to see him go down. Um, and then insert Jimmy Garoppolo. He's making base power, base pay this year, 7.6 million. He's got incentives that could carry it over 5 million. It's two fifty. For every game that he plays, twenty five percent more of the snaps. If he wins that game, it goes to three fifty. So it ends up being five to almost six point five million in incentives that he can make. Which, you know, and I think this is a contract year. I'm pretty sure he's unrestricted after this. So he's got a defense that I don't know. We got to give it a month or two. But like, we might say this is the best defense in the league. We might say this is the second or third. But they are not the tenth or lower best defense no, in the league. Close. So when you have that. That run game, Brandon Ayuk's poised for a breakout year. Obviously, Debo Samuel's established, and they're about to get George Kittle back here in a week or two. So, um, Jimmy G just stepping, just couldn't have played his cards better. And I know other places you can't really talk about the guy getting hurt and that, but like in a quarterback room, which is what this is, like, no, this is his next man up as it gets. It's a super bummer when dudes get hurt. You, like I said, you literally just had the same injury two years ago. That's a couple weeks apart from Dak having the same injury. Yeah. Um, and so it's a super bummer, but you know you sign up for it and you get paid either way. So I think thinking back our uh, thinking back to our takes the other week on it, right? We were saying what's Jimmy to do when um, when Dak went down early in the season, right? Is it better for Jimmy to go to Dallas? Is it better for Dallas to have Jimmy? Is it better the, for the 49ers to keep Jimmy? And I don't remember the conclusion we came to, but this is like best case scenario for Jimmy. Obviously, Trey's our guy, like, sucks for Trey, but, like, for Jimmy to step in, and it sucks he had to take a pay cut, whatever, but he's an unrestricted free agent after this year. This roster is built to win right now. Everyone's talking about it. The defense is built to win. The offense, once Kittle comes back, they re-sign Debo Samuel. They're built to win. And for whatever reason, for whatever hate that Jimmy gets, which I don't get, I told you before the show, like, I'm a huge, like, secret fan of Jimmy G. I think he's a baller, and I think he's super underrated. And for whatever reason, him and Kyle Shanahan just work well together. I don't know what it is. He just executes the game plan. He knows what Kyle's trying to do. He gets the ball out. He doesn't make too many mistakes. He hasn't made the big play all the time, but he's got them to where they need to be. And you're looking at his salary right there, 7.6 with five in incentives, whatever. It can be up to $14 million. Like That is an absolute steal for mm-hmm. a guy who's been to two NFC championships and a Super Bowl. And another guy who stepped up big. And I got a little flack for this on social because I talked about how the Dallas Cowboys have not invested in a backup quarterback, and they haven't. Um, the t- my, my take on it is you're either investing it or you're gambling. One of the two. Cooper Rush going into his the start the other day versus the Bengals, of which he won and played winning football at home. Uh, he had one career start, and he won it, and he played well, but like one career start. And, uh, and so Cooper Rush, I just think... I think we're at a point where the Jones family 
is so caught up on being right. And I think ever since he found Jerry, Jerry Jones found Tony Romo and then he became Tony, he's been chasing it, right? The fourth round pick Dak Prescott comes in. They look like geniuses. They haven't drafted a quarterback. I mean, maybe they took Ben DiNucci. I don't know if he was drafted or not. If he was, it was probably a sixth or seventh round pick. Uh, they tried, they tried that Cooper was undrafted. Oh, he was, I thought he was like a fifth round pick. Maybe he was okay. Okay, so, but let's say he's a fifth round pick. Right, right? they haven't drafted a quarterback. You don't, dra- you don't draft your two in the fifth round. You draft a potential project who could potentially turn into something in the fifth round. So, I mean, fourth and up is when you start going like, "Hey, we this guy might need to be our two right away." Um, even when they drafted Dak Prescott, though, he's a fourth round pick. Mm-hmm. He was the three. Tony Romo gets hurt in a preseason game. Kellen Moore breaks his ankle in practice, then comes in Dak Prescott. He was the three going into the season. So. I mean, he's got two preseason games to go sitting here going, I'm not even suiting up this year. And then four days later, he's the starting quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys with their signing a backup, right? So, like, I think Jerry and Steven are so caught up in, like, finding that diamond in the rough, and and I think they they love that. And I, it's early right now. I mean, Bengals just kind of looked – they just struggled across the board. Yeah. Um, but Cooper Rush might be that guy who can come in, and he already won one. Can he come in and win a couple? And uh, also, when you when you think about it from uh, the Cowboys' perspective, like people are getting mad at you on social, and they didn't invest in a backup quarterback. They cut Cooper Rush after the preseason. They cut Cooper. Yep. They cut Will Greer. They were the only team in the NFL to have one quarterback on their roster after the preseason. Now, obviously, there was a, some type of roster move where they needed to put a guy on IR or something. They had to like make something shake, but. At that point, he could go sign with any other team, you know? And so when you're looking at the backup quarterback situation, I remember seeing that one day, and I was like, what the hell is going on? They literally had Dak as the only quarterback on their roster. So you're, you're, they're rolling the dice regardless on that. Yeah. His base salary is 27% of what the Jets are paying Flacco. And it's 14% of what the 49ers are paying Jimmy G. And so do you think the 49ers feel like they're paying Jimmy G too much just to back up and come. Absolutely not. And Cooper rush $1.9 million on a two year deal of which probably nothing's guaranteed. And so it's a million a year basically. And the cap is whatever it is. So you look at those names though, too. I mean the Flacco one, 27% of Flacco's deal. Like, that one kind of sticks out to me, you know, because Flacco is just kind of on the last leg, and I still think he's a great player, but Cooper's young. You'd think he'd be making similar money to what Flacco's making, and then, I mean, the Jimmy one makes sense to me, though. You know, like, I would pay, I mean, it sucks to pay Jimmy a lot of money to be your backup, but Jimmy should be a starter somewhere. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, fast forward five months, and he is somewhere. So, next up, you know what time it is, Kyle? What time is it? To a time. To a time. To a time. It's about time Let's for talk to a time. To a, more specifically, Tagovailoa time. For those of you who thought I was talking about maybe a different Tua. <laughs> um, man, I'm fired up for this guy. I met him Elite 11 Regional. He was a sophomore. And it was either Willie McGinnis or somebody who was there was like, Hey, you got to meet this little Hawaiian kid. Lefty. You'll love him. Is that Willie McGinnis? And, uh, no, Willie's like a deeper voice like this. Willie's like <laughs> whose voice? Grown ass man. That was the, I'm not really sure who told me that, but okay. somebody set it up. 
He was about the same size as he is today. Threw it the same way. I would, I've always described Tua's release. Like, he's got touch, but, like, it's, like, explosive. Like, when he throws the ball, like, zip. His brother, like Patrick Tua. Mahomes and Josh Allen have two of the strongest arms in the NFL. It doesn't, like, feel, like, explosive and twitchy. Like, like Tua's just is, like, explosive. Like, he puts his foot in the ground. Like, the ball, the velocity on those two guys, yes, they have way stronger arms than Tua. But, like, Tua goes from two hands on the ball to it leaving his fingertip. It's, like, explosive movement. You sound um, like Mike McDaniel right now. I keep hearing about him on social. I, I literally, I don't, I've never, I've never seen an interview. I've never met the guy. Oh, I kind of so have no good, idea. Dude. He's so yeah. good. Yeah, he's just like kind of nerdy, but he like buys into it. You know, he doesn't like try and shy away from it. So it's so funny. And then he called two of the most accurate quarterback um, he's ever seen. And then Tyreek Hill back. Tyreek, I was just okay. I, was, I thought Tyreek said that too. I was like, yeah, yeah Tyreek did that right, on Jake Paul's podcast. Yeah, you better throw for four sixty nine and six touchdowns and go thirty six for fifty if you are gonna have. Oh, that's exactly what he did this week. So with Tua, I mean, they're down. They're not playing whoever. They're playing Baltimore, and Lamar Jackson went off, right? Went like off. that was like you're playing against a former MVP playing at an MVP level on Sunday. Who always balls Tua, out Miami. That's true. And 36 for 50, 469, six touchdowns, including a game winner. Um, a lot's been made around the pe- personnel around him. And how good everybody is, but Kyle, you know that you don't just have two superstar receivers in the NFL and end up throwing for four sixty nine six touchdowns. It doesn't happen like that. You got to make plays. You got to put the ball in play. Timing, accuracy, figure it out, all that stuff. And uh, I feel like I haven't watched a lot of Tua in the league, but I feel like cool. This is the first time I've seen him like play at this level where he elevated everybody around him, and it's never been noisier for him. He's never had more pressure. Expectations have never been higher. I was fired up for him, man. I'd love seeing it. I just sometimes I don't get like why who gets picked to get hate on and who gets picked to not get hate on. I saw mm. some stat the other day that it was like Tua. I don't think has ever had a losing record in the NFL. Justin Herbert's never had a winning record in the NFL. For whatever reason, Tua gets a ton of hate, and I'm not saying that Tua's played better than Justin Herbert because he hasn't. Herbert's played a lot better on worse teams. But just the fact that Tua doesn't have it is not good that they need to move on from him. Is He's 15-8 and eight as a starter and throws for 470 yards and wins that game for him. I don't understand like where the hate comes from sometimes. Yeah. I think it's well, – I don't have an answer. But, um, but I think it's like easy – people. one, people who don't respond or people who don't – like Tom Brady gets hate on from people who hate the Patriots. You know what I mean? But yeah. like everyone respects it. And and a lot of people don't like Aaron Rodgers, but everybody respects it. With Tua, they've also not respected it, right? And I don't know what it is. Maybe it's because he's easy and he's nice and he doesn't talk back. And I, yeah. I remember when my brother demanded a trade from Cincinnati. I saw this. It was like Sports Illustrated or something. Some article came out, top 10 most hated athletes on the planet. My brother was like seven on the list. <laughs> on the you know what I mean? And I, yeah. And like Roethlisberger was 10 and had just had rape charges. You know what I mean? It was yeah. just like, what, how did we get here? Like Michael Vick was two at that time. That was justified. Like, I'm like, how did you get on seven? We saw in the Manti Teo documentary, right? Where he, he had commented and was like, yeah, look at this list of most hated athletes. And he's like, how did I get here? How did this happen? Right. And so I don't know where two is at on that list. And if he's on, I doubt he's on the list. But, um, yeah, I don't know. That's a, that's a interesting question just cause 
I think it's when people are easy, when it's easy for people to troll and they're not going to get a ton of pushback. Um, but yeah, Tua's caught a lot of it, um, played at a great university that, you know, had superstars around him. But I mean, a lot of people do, you know what I mean? Every Ohio state quarterback in the last people. five years, guys at Georgia, guys at Alabama, guys, they're all playing on great NFL teams, um, in college, but yeah, Tua's got a lot of it for whatever it's worth. Uh, I was glad to see him be able to do that on Sunday at home. Um, and, you know, with Lamar Jackson's contract situation, which is, we talked about it last week, um, but which is up in the air. We have no idea that there's certainly speculation that Lamar wants out of Baltimore and to go back home and play for Miami. Who knows what's relevant there? It could just be something that people are saying, but it would make sense that Lamar would want to play in Miami. And so, this for him to do that against this guy who's like the potential, like, you know, I just, I loved it all the way around. Um, and a lot of dudes are keeping receipts, man. Like Tyreek Hill's comments, most accurate quarterback. Like you look accurate when you do, when you do what Tua did on Sunday. Uh, I remember when Dilfer said he's the best to, went on Cowherd during draft prep and said he's like the most NFL ready prospect he's ever seen in all of his years. Now that hasn't panned out on the first year or two for Tua. But it was always a like a win, not an if. I think for a lot of fans, it was an if. But for people in the football space, like it's a for me, it's like a win. Like when's it going to click for him? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've just been assuming that at some point it was going to. Um, and so, is this the start of Tua time playing at a high level every week? I don't know. But man, this must do wonders for his confidence. It's got to. And we speak of confidence. McDaniel had a quote after the game. I thought it was super interesting, and I think it's something that you've been through before i've been through before a lot of quarterbacks have been through before we're all perfectionists at the end of the day mcdaniel said i want his confidence to outweigh his perfectionism his perfectionism mm-hmm. he says that sometimes even though he has a completion he's not he's not pumped about the way the play went because the execution wasn't perfect and i think when you get in that type of mindset it's so limiting to you as a quarterback I think I've I've been in the room with guys who who've been that way. I've been around guys. I've been around coaches who are just perfectionists and they push guys to play like perfectionists and we can't play free out there. And so maybe we're seeing a Tua that's just playing more free. He's playing his game. He's forgetting about the hate. He's not worrying about the hate. And he's just throwing it around the yard. And he's got guys like Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle who's probably coming into his own a lot more. And they both almost had two hundred yards receiving in that game and he leads the league in yards right now. And when it comes to winning, right, we say that's the most important stat for anybody who's watching this, who's got it on mute right now because they're talking so much shit on Tua because they don't like him. Best winning percentage of quarterbacks drafted in 2020. Tua Tagovailoa, top of the list, 65%. Jalen Hurts, 500. Justin Herbert, 47%. And Joe Burrow, 44.6%. So, Winning, uh, you know, uh, two different coaches, some new personnel. It's crazy um, Joe is last on that list after going to the Super Bowl. It's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> they just like, but like, they didn't go the they didn't go to the playoffs as the number one seed. You know what I mean? They're like wild card, and so yeah. And the year um, before was a struggle too. Yeah, he yeah. hurt his knee. Yeah, yeah. So um, the Tua Tagovailoa train is running and fired up to see what happens here in Miami. And I, you know, he's always been a really consistent guy to me. He's like the same guy he's always been. He's got the same people, same everything. Usually I've always said this, the way people live their life off the field directly mirrors the way they play their game on the field. 
So when somebody's really unpredictable and all over the place off the field, they usually play that way. Tua is a very consistent guy, work ethic, commitment, very, very philanthropic, very religious. I have a feeling that like this is the new Tua. So my, my bold prediction here on episode six, we'll get Tua on the show at some point, is I think Tua is going to start playing at a high level, right, consistently. And I agree. Up. I agree. So, so let's say he does continue to play at a high level, right? Yeah, he's in his third year of his deal. We see guys on oh, this. You list want to talk about money? I know where you're going with this. That's all I care about is money. <laughs> we haven't figured this out yet. <laughs> you got Joe Burrow going into the third year of his deal, who's like it's almost 100 percent guarantee that he's going to get extended at the end of the year. Same thing with Justin Herbert. So if Tua continues to play at this level, right? He's not going to throw for 450 and six touchdowns every week. But let's say he's top five in the league with yards, top five in the league in touchdowns. They're in the playoffs. They're a decent seed, four or three seed. AFC's tough this year, but let's even better. They're a high seed. Does one year of balling out, kind of like Joe last year, also kind of like Joe in college, his senior year, does one year of balling out warrant him getting an extension at the end of this? So this is where we start to get into the Lamar Jackson territory. Now, Tua does not represent himself. I believe that he's represented by Chris Cabot, Steinberg Sports uh, Enterprises or whatever, Steinberg mm-hmm. Sports, and who also represents relevant here, Patrick, Patrick Mahomes and a bunch of other people, um, is can, can they position them to a, with the dolphins of like, we're not playing without a contract, right? Like uh-huh. I, I, I don't know. And it's early, but let's play out Tua is top five in yards, top five in completion percentage, and they make it to the playoffs. Say make it to the playoffs. Who cares if they even win a game? Right. So turn around. Things are going well. Here's our guy. We're not drafting anybody. We're not going to go get Jimmy G. Like, we're not going to do that. Right. If that's the case, like, if Miami doesn't think they have to pay him and Tua's a real nice guy, like, and a real team guy and a real selfless guy, um, I, that's Steven Ross, man. He may say, nope, one year. I want to see one more. And they don't even have to tag him. They don't even have to do any of that stuff. He's a first round pick. They really yeah, got him for five. They just pick up his option. Like, do they do that? Like, Lamar, I don't know what the hell's going on with his contract. Yeah. But it, at no, never at any point did he scrub his social media. Never at any point did he, like, not show up and say, I'm not showing up until Kyler Murray did that. Right. It worked. Kyler Murray did it, got paid, and it worked. Right. So, like, can Tua do that? Because otherwise, I, I, I see this as a, uh, congratulations on a great year. We see you as being a big part of this team and we would love to pick up these negotiations at the end of next year. I mean, if you're his agent though, like, and you don't push him with everything in his power to not do that, like it's, it's literally the part like year three, like we saw Josh's year three, right? Year three is the year. If you're a first round quarterback where you need to have your best year, if you want that deal. And so if it happens in the year's agent and you don't push him like hell to do that and, I still don't understand the Lamar situation. Lamar situation is crazy to me. If he ends up playing on the tag next year, that would be the craziest thing ever. Crazy. But you got to push him to do that. Like, if I'm too, uh, like, I'm calling him, you know? I agree. I agree. So let's see how this plays out. But my prediction, Tua has a really good year. Top yeah. five in the main categories? I don't know because we got some really good players just on the AFC alone. Yeah. <laughs> it's unbelievable. But. How does this shake up the AFC, by the way, if Tua plays at a top five statistical level? Because we name all these starting quarterbacks in the AFC all offseason. Right? Everyone's talking about it. You got Josh. You got Pat. 
you got Deshaun, you got Russell now, you know what I mean? On and on and on and on and on. You got all these dudes in there. You got Herbert, Burrow, all these guys in the AFC. Nobody at any point said to his name. Never. <laughs> so, but like now you got to add him in. Um, and then what does that do to the AFC East, right? We know it's Buffalo's division to lose, but you know, they handled business first New England last year. New England looks like they're struggling a little bit early. Um, and, uh, who knows what the jets will be when they come back. So this is going to be a, it's going to have an effect on the league, how Tua continues to grow in the level that he ends up playing at. And, uh, but nonetheless fired up to see him be able to have some success like that in the league, like go over to put a team on his back and win a game. It was cool. All right, let's get into a little different story here. I don't know if you saw this. This is college football. So Notre Dame loses starting quarterback, the guy that won the, the quarterback competition this year, um, Tyler Buckner, San Diego kid, and uh, and really good player. Insert Drew Pine. Uh, been around Drew a lot. But comes in, plays well, goes 7 for 12, 47 yards in the first half, and then stumbles a little bit and <laughs> just gets smoked by his coach it becomes a meme jumps on you know jump on coach wants you on the headset jumps on the headset and then they got video of the coach him just wearing it it's tommy reese just laying into him on the sideline i don't know if you ever had anything like i mean you played for some guys now and we've shared a couple coaches too um you ever had anything like that you ever seen anything like that i've seen it i've had it before not not during a game. I've had it before in off season and practices where they lay into you, but not during a game like that. And when I saw this from Tommy Reese, especially Tommy Reese, let's not forget who Tommy Reese was, right? Tommy Reese, former Notre Dame, probably like you could call him legend at Notre Dame quarterback. He won a lot of games for Notre Dame. It's the reason why he's the OC there because he played quarterback there for however many years. But he was there in the early Brian Kelly era. And Brian Kelly would lay into him every single fucking game on the sidelines lay into him lay into him and i remember because this is around the time when i was getting recruited my dad would say i would never want you to play for a coach like that that is unbelievable and so i think tommy reese has a little bit of ptsd from his brian kelly days of getting laid into and as a quarterback especially as a quarterback that's a coordinator too you got to understand that like in the middle of a game going off on your guy like that is doing nothing to help him. And maybe it lit a little fire under uh, Drew's ass and maybe he played a little bit better. Who knows? But I just think like that is a crazy, crazy move in the middle of a game. I, I would say this, like it's crazy. I wouldn't want to play for a coach like that, or I wouldn't want to play for a coach who feels like that's how they need to communicate with me is a better way to say it. And look, mm -hmm. tempers, moments, pressure. All, I, I get it. Right. Um, fans every game to a fan looks the same on tv right the weather looks nice you know what i mean it's like just loud enough where i can hear the crowd noise i have no context for how loud that is so what's happening on the sideline it gets heated it's crazy now the way that everybody's mic'd up and everybody's you know everything is recorded and so i think people have gotten used to that and they've started to control themselves because I, I feel like shit talking has like definitely mellowed out now that you can actually get in trouble for something you said to another player which is crazy crazy um, but uh, we saw it in the preseason i mean desmond ritter a couple times in preseasons coming off the sideline and arthur smith is wearing him out yeah he was but but arthur smith's like i he made a comment something along the lines of like desmond can be coached like that desmond responds well to that so i think if the coach knows how the how to get the best out of his player and deems that that's what's warranted, then go for it. 
But if that's just how I coach and this guy's got to learn how to deal with it, then we got an ego issue. Yeah. And I mean, as I'm a coach, I got to do whatever I can to get the best out of the guy that I'm working with. And I'm not in the environment where I yell and raise my voice because it's not that it's not a high energy heated, you know, environment. But certainly there's guys where I need to show it to them. Some guys I need to explain it. Some guys I got to like, hey, let's get going. Like, so it varies. I just think it's a coach's job to meet that player where they're at. And that's why I'm, this is a potential pass for Tommy Reese because if that's what Drew Pine responds to, and if that, and the, I think the actual quote was something along the lines of like, hold on, we got it right here. It was, do your effing job. The whole effing team's counting on you. Now effing step it up. Right. So like, not only drop f bombs on our show if it's like my my own natural word. By the way, like to quote it, I just say effing. Um, hey, by the way, side note story. I almost didn't uh, got in trouble and didn't graduate from high school and almost got in trouble because you hand you, you'd hand the person your card with your name on it and you write your name and then they say you know Kyle Michael Allen. That's a, a guess of what your middle name is. Um, uh, it's close. And I wrote and I wrote Jordan. E-F-F-I-N, Palmer. So they read my name. They go, Jordan Effin Palmer. <laughs> All-time classic. All-time classic Michigan High School. Anyways, so like if that's what the coach is yelling at him, like do your effing job, everyone's effing counting on you and they're yelling and Drew responds to that, then go for it. Well, I'm all good with it. It's just, it's tough because there's going to be a lot of parents and recruits that ask about that because it's college, right? But if, that, if, if that's what it takes to get the most out of the player, do it. Would you respond to that coaching like that? I, I don't I don't like that. Yeah, I, I just don't like negative. I, I want to be moved towards something. I played. Uh, my high school coach was, you know, hey, big opportunity tonight. Don't screw this up. You know, hey, we can't have a turnover. Do not throw a pick. Right. I didn't. I never responded well to that. My college coach was really positive. You know, I, I don't need to be caught. I didn't need to be coddled. But like, here's what we need from you, and you, dude, and you're totally capable of doing it. Like, I, I like that. But everybody's different. Yeah, I agree. I think a little bit more encouragement. Helps go a long way. I'm in that. I'm in that. Hundred percent, especially when you got a backup coming in off the bench trying to win a game. You know what I mean? Yeah, for zero and three Notre Dame or zero and two, zero and three, like at the risk of losing to Cal too. Yeah, that was a bad deal. All right, should we get into the next segment? Yeah, let's go. Next segment, we got to throw it deeper, check it down. These are uh, different hot takes from around the league, from around sports. Um, we're gonna give our take on them. We're gonna throw it deep. If we're into it, we're gonna check it down. If we are not into it, so let's get to the first one. I don't know if you saw. So Tyler Lockett was running around the sidelines. He was mic'd up during the yeah, game. And he was like, hey, it's the same signals. It's the same signals. Blah, 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 blah. If you see this, it's a goal. He's ready to go. He's ready to go. Go, Mike Jack. I, I told him he's probably trying to get the first down over here. He gave what's the name of goal? Portland Sutton. They got our same, same stuff. I literally called it when he did this. It's chalk. So... Throw it deeper, check it down. Russell Wilson should have changed all of his signals. No carryover, no consistent communication. He's known from the day he signed his contract with with the Denver Broncos that who the week one opponent was. Um, throw it deeper, check it down. Russ should have changed all of his signals. I mean, I throw it deep. I think he should have changed all the signals for sure. But also, at the same time, you've seen it. You have guys on staff on, on every NFL team that are literally just there to to watch the TV copy and pick up cadence and pick up signals and do all that crap. And at the end of the day, how much does that really matter? You know, like how much are you getting? I think there was only like a couple games 
where I knew signals that it helped me. Sometimes on defense, actually, this isn't even an offensive thing. On defense, defenses don't even have code names for their coverages. The safeties will be like, hey, sky, sky, sky. Or they'll be like, hey, cloud this side, cloud this side, cloud, like out loud in the middle of the game. And you're like, this can't be true. And then they go out and they run cover two or they're skying the cover three. So uh, there's there's layers to it. You know, I think, I mean, it would probably be smart if you're playing your old team the first week to have some new signals. But at the same time, it's not the differentiating rating factor in the game it's they fumbled on the one yard line twice yeah so i'm checking it down because you only have to change a couple right so as a backup quarterback in the league i i one of my main jobs is to steal signals i would go through on monday and tuesday i would look at whatever was presented if they tap their if they were lined up in a double mug and you got two line two three techniques both linebackers are in the a gap and quarterback checks out of it and this guy does this and they all of a sudden run tampa two soon as I see that two or three times on tape, I'm writing that down. I'm presenting that to the group. Then if I see that, and I'll, now there was a two or three year run in Cincinnati. We did a lot of no huddle, right? We're like, yeah, it's coming in through the headset, what the options are, but we can get to stuff. Well, those weeks, and you and I both played for Ken Zampezi, the quarterback coach is calling it in. I'm standing next to him. And if I have confirmation that this is about to be Tampa 2, I'm giving it to him. I very specifically remember we played at Atlanta, big win, and we got their cover zero signal. We got all their signals and we got to cover zero and we had one concept that was basically it's, it's automatic seven man protection. You know, it was lug. It was, it was tight ends on the ball running back, you know, has Mike declare protection. He's got will to the nickel. He can scan back across his four to the side, all that deal. And I'm like, it's zero, it's zero, it's zero. My brother checks to a play where they're like, the only thing you got is this versus cover zero. Other Mm. than that, like, and it was third down and hits Jordan Shipley 70 house call. I got real cocky and I thought I stole everybody's signals from there on out. And like two weeks later, I saw a Tampa signal or whatever it was. I saw the signal and I go, oh, it's this, it's this, it's this. And then we call something and it was not that. Hmm. So here's my point. If you just change like 10% of your signals, Lockett's sitting there going, let's say Russ goes like this, like, uh, no, here, there's a day-old one, right? Like, this is smash, right? Let's say that Lockett runs over and goes, it's smash, it's smash, and it's not smash. He's going to second game. Never mind, never mind. So you played against guys where, like, this guy was just on our team three weeks ago, yeah, right? Or, like, a big divisional opponent, and they pluck somebody off practice squad, right? Come in, we're going to steal the signals and all that stuff. Like, we've seen that a bunch, and that's always been the conversation. Change, like, 10 to 20% of your signals. The most obvious signal that you know the other team knows, change that one. Poof, they're going to second guess everything. So smart. I'm checking that down. You don't need to change everything. But at the same time, eh, like new team, get some, I don't know. I mean, at start. least against your own team week one, change a couple of them. What's well, funny, you know, playing guys that like were on teams the week before, my, uh, I think it was my second year in Carolina. The last week of the season, we were playing the Saints. The game didn't really mean anything, but one of their, the Saints players got cut. And I think we needed like a practice squad guy spot. And so he came and signed with us. I don't remember his name. And even if I did, I wouldn't say it. But he still had the iPad from the Saints. Or how I don't even know how he had it because it's like a $10,000 fine if you have it. And it's like Thursday. And that's um, a real number, by the way. $10,000 fine. Yeah, it's a $10,000 fine he, if you have just the iPad. Out. No, that's real. And he had the Saints 
like practice clips from that week on the iPad. Like Ooh. this is his their blitz they're gonna run versus this on third down. And it was and we ended up losing like forty two to three, so it didn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy. Sometimes it bees like that. It's, it's a lot of times it bees like that. Uh, all right, next one. Uh, Kyler Murray. Uh, this was actually quoted in a scouting report somewhere. Said Kyler Murray runs like a toddler that just stole their parents' phone. Um, you could say Kyler Murray runs like a lot of things. That's a pretty solid one. We used to call him in Washington when we played them. Our our model that week was get to the gingerbread man. Don't mm-hmm. let the gingerbread man out. That's what Rivera would say. Murray. Running out of time. On the move. Coming back this way. Dancing and looking and directing traffic and look at the length of this play. <laughs> Murray no, to the ten, come on. to the five, and he's going to convert it. That's unbelievable. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I'm throwing it deep. He runs literally like I've never seen anyone run before. But I don't know if a toddler is that fast. I'm throwing it deep, too. He's one of my favorite guys to watch right now. I mean, last week, the Raider game, that was just bananas. Um, but I was dying when I saw this. He, that's exactly what he runs like. The head bob, the little arms. He's little, but he can change direction with the best of them. Stop, start. He's at full speed in two steps. Um, so, yeah, he runs like the fastest toddler in the history of toddlers. And I have a couple of toddlers running around my house, and they certainly don't run like that. And one's birthday today. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, happy birthday, Reese. Happy birthday, Reese. Um, big fourth birthday. Um, he runs with his arms behind him because that's how the Power Rangers ran in the original. We watched Power Rangers. We watched the original Power Rangers when I was a kid. And sometimes that's how they run. So that's how Reese runs, arms behind him. Just head down. Like, like, he's like a, like a Rolls Royce, like mm-hmm. a little like thing on the front of a Rolls Royce. There's like wings behind him. That's, uh, that's Reese or Man's. All right, I lied. Let's do one more. All right, so throw it deep. Check it down. I'm throwing this to you. So apparently the, the, the expenses of this Texas Longhorn recruiting trip were over $280,000, and it was spent in 48 hours for 10 recruits. So University of Texas, they're rolling. They almost beat Bama. They got Sark. They got all this stuff going. They got Arch Manning coming in town, and they dropped almost three hundred grand on a recruiting weekend 21,000 plus on airfare car services other travel expenses 46,000 plus on 34 hotel rooms almost 12 grand pool bar time the night before the game almost 10 grand at top golf man it's hard to spend ten thousand dollars at top golf and twenty five hundred dollars on a cruise around the ladybird lake so texas they're rolling like if I said, Kyle, that's ridiculous. That's way too much money. You throwing that deep or checking that down? I'm checking that down. I don't know if there's a number you could tell me that was too much money. I don't. Thank I you. just don't think it matters. I think I've when I was at AM, right after Johnny won the Heisman, and I know it's a different scenario with Texas, but the Texas money in football is different. When I was at AM, they spent four hundred million dollars to renovate the stadium and renovate the locker room and the weight room and they wanted it done so quick that they hired a crew to work on the stadium for 12 hours during the day and then they hired a crew to work on the stadium 12 hours at night so they were literally never not working on the stadium so i don't even know like if you told me that they spent two million dollars on this weekend and not to mention the fact that it says arch manning 
is committed to Texas. I don't know if he was before or if he committed this weekend. I know there was interest before there, but... No, so he committed within 72 hours of this trip and another five-star, Will Randall, committed too. So they got, they got Arch Manning Done. and another five-star and nine, uh, four of the nine committed within 72 hours. Done. You can you put whatever money. Arch Manning alone. Arch Manning alone, if you just said that he signed, you could have spent $2 million on that. Just with his family, his name... Also a baller, you know, he's got a lot to live up to, but just to have that family associated with Texas football, like, you know that they're going to be at every game. You know that they're going to be supporting. You know they're going to be giving their time. Like, that's priceless. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm with you. Uh, I'm, I'm checking it down. There is no number for these big schools. And just think about it like this, right? Like, so NFL, right? They but they spent this much on a stadium. Cronky from the Rams spent $5 billion on a stadium, like, yeah, but he's a businessman. There's a return on that investment. Right. Right. These guys are, they're at the cap. They're, you know, over the cap. And then they just signed five new guys to big deals. Let's use Cronky again, right? Like there's the cap. Everyone has, to, they have as, as much money as they can spend it. The cap is like the cap on it, right? They're, it's not a no cap. It's a cap. <laughs> nice. So that's but what like, the kids are saying. That's what the kids are saying. But beyond that, like, but guaranteed or not guaranteed. I'm sorry. But signing bonuses, you're way over the cap. Yeah. Right. Like you're not, that's not part of the cap. So wealthy owner, you can spend way more and you can just guarantee it. But keyword here in college donors, donors, these people at all these schools, these donors do not, they're not getting a return on their investment. This is a passion project. And when you have people who have hundreds of millions of dollars who have to get rid of X amount of dollars a year, for tax purposes, yep. most people don't know this. There's a lot of people who are going to watch me say this right now and go, what? Is that true? Every college football, every college um, athletic department is technically a 501c3. Mm -hmm. So it's a write-off. So if you make you know, 50 million bucks a year, I know that sounds dumb, like who makes 50 million bucks a year? Uh, actually, a lot of people make 50 million bucks a year. You know when you're talking about the donors and who's actually supporting these programs? So a lot of people, especially in Austin, Texas, these people... They're not getting a return on it. They have to get rid of the money. So I need three more million for a lot of, for a lot of folks and donors at these big schools. I'm, I'm in this mix. Like that's as simple as a phone call. That's as simple as a text. That's an upgrade. That's like updating your software on your phone. Sometimes it's that easier ordering, you know, food to go. So as far as I'm concerned, arch, these other pieces, I mean, I'm, I'm surprised that 280 is a ridiculous number. Uh, I know it was 72 hours or 48 hours or whatever, but um, yeah, it's insane to, to, to build a winning football career. For Texas to get over the hump, I would just assume that there's a large group of people who can offer as much money as is needed to be able to make that happen, and they're pissed off that they haven't been good for a decade, and they're gonna, they, they keep seeing Vince Young with confetti coming down, and they want to make that happen again. How much do you think that these donors are spending this money just so they can get Arch Manning and be around Peyton and Eli for the next four years? Well, they get the whole they get the whole bundle. I mean, yeah, Arch Arch is like one of the most viral young athletes in the country on social media. And oh, by the way, he doesn't even have social media. Does he? Not? You know what I mean? Even, no, not on social. Can't slide and in the so, DMs. No, so like other people who are posting about him make the videos viral. So yeah, I mean, this is the biggest story in college football. And wait till he comes in and plays at a high level, then it's just going to be bananas. It'll be like like we haven't seen before. So he has Breaking set himself news. up. Arch Manning has an Instagram. A there new Instagram. Brand new and has one picture. 
There you go. From June 23rd, and he has 109,000 followers. There you go. So, and and his first post, by the way, Texas commit. So for him, it's it's look. Once you commit somewhere, I, I've been a part of this. These guys, man, they start they're recruiting quick. You know, hey, I just committed to Georgia. He's calling wide receivers. He's at a seven on seven tournament recruiting. Like that's what these guys do. It's what you would do. Put yourself in this position right now. You probably did that. You did do that. You got Christian Kirk to go to Texas A yeah. and M. So, uh, Jeff Banks gave me a list when I went to like this rivals camp. He gave me a list of like sixteen guys and said these are the guys we're looking at. Go recruit them. Like, yes, sir. So there you go. And now with social, you can totally, you know, slide into somebody's DMs and start going, "Hey, dude, we're really building something over here. You got to come. You got to come check it out." Do you think like this money that they're spending on these trips, like, are they just giving any of the money to the to players? Do you think they're just like throwing them twenty grand? Like, are they allowed to do that, or they have to have something like in return for them? I think they have to have a reason. I'm not an NIL expert. I think they have to have a reason. They have to, but they. I think what teams can do. I'm not. I make. I'm not. In you know, I'm not throwing an indictment on University of Texas. I have no idea what UUT is doing, but um, but yeah, to be able to say this is so much you can make when you come here, and we promise. Like I, I would assume that that's what's happening on every recruiting trip. We need to bring an NIL lawyer on here. Ooh, I got a good guy. I just don't know if he would go on camera, but like, I got a guy who's like in the know. Just put a um, blur his face out, like one of those crowds. Yeah, we could do the like, how they do it is what they do is kids get deals for $10 million. No, but I will say that in the past, how they used to do it before NIL is I've heard stories about guys going into poker, online poker rooms, and everybody at the table raise, 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 raise. Here comes the river. Fold, 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 fold. No. Oh yeah, that was like a real common one. And then another one, it's so smart. And then another one is like, parents start landscaping company. City awards the landscaping company a city contract. Parents don't own lawnmower. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like start a business, we'll give you you two clients. And then all of a sudden, like, so... It's just, it's what they were doing before. It's just out there now and it's crazy. And I've heard some wild stories, but I've heard some brown, pe- I've heard the, I've heard bad ones too about like the church, you know, like the church yeah. in the hometown gets a lot of that basket goes around and all of a sudden there's big checks in there. <laughs> so there's just gnarly stories in the past. At least now it's like out in the open. So do you remember the one that even doesn't like it? He doesn't like it. He doesn't like a and paying their players too much. Well, he, I don't think he cares anymore after the way they're playing. Remember the, uh, yeah. the USC girl who, uh, whose mom went to jail because she, Got a scholarship yeah. for rowing, and she was like sending yeah. me rowing videos. All right, funny story about that, yeah. and then we'll wrap this up. So when I was getting recruited to UCLA, this was when uh, I forgot who was there, but when I was getting recruited there, like they wanted me bad that year. Like I was the number one guy coming out of high school. Like I really wanted to go to UCLA. It was close, so they were sending me crazy stuff. When I was there, um, I was dating my fiance. My fiance at the time it was my girlfriend at the time. I was dating her, and I said. Man, I just don't. I don't know if she'd get in here. Like UCLA, it's like a prestigious school. Like you have really good grades to get in here. She's got good grades. I just don't know if she would make it in here. And I remember, like, it was nothing. He said, "Oh, it's fine. We'll just put her on a on a soccer scholarship, and, and uh, you know, she can come, and then she'll just show up, and she can just quit and just not show up." And at the time, I was like, "Oh, it's that easy? Oh, cool. I'll come. That sounds great." Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, there's been a couple of guys who are like, why'd you pick that school? They're like, well, my they, my sister and my brother yep. got scholarships too. It's like, well, okay. If you come from nothing, yeah. A lot of there. times it's the high school coach too. Like hire the high school coach on the staff so the kid will yep. come. That happens a lot. Yep. I've been propositioned before. 
for sure, of which I, nope, that's not what I do. But yeah, and the people that do what I do. Yeah, yeah, people do what I do. So yeah, interesting. All right, I was throw a deeper check it down and with a little bit of getting off topic too. So, um, but hey, Summies, she's a wildcat. Bear down. Bear down. uh, Maybe UCLA next time. Decision. Good decision. Yeah. I don't know if it was a good decision for you, but it was a good decision for her. Oh, shut <laughs> <laughs> Too many SAE parties. Yeah. Hindsight's 2020. It's okay. We just All right. Like that was throw it deeper, check it down. Um, let's get into this interview. All right. So we mentioned in the beginning, um, man, we got stood up last second. Uh, all good. Leaving it at that. Um, but uh, but we got a great fill-in. Mutual friend of ours, Mark Sanchez. I haven't talked to him in this type of setting before. And... Um, Fired up to get him on here and break it down. Let's do it. See some hot dogs. All right. Our guest we have on, uh, a man that goes by many nicknames. <laughs> know him as the Sanchez, Mario Lopez. I know him as oh. the Glizzy Gobbler himself. Um, Glizzy Gobbler. Mark Sanchez, how you doing, man? Thanks for coming on, dude. Glizzy, checking in. Will you explain the Glizzy Gobbler? Because... We were on a golf trip last year in the middle of nowhere in Mississippi, and you guys kept talking about glizzies, and I just kind of let it go and laughed. I was like, <laughs> "You didn't know what it was, neither did I." You, oh yeah, you didn't know what it was. I had to teach you what the glizzy was. So uh, actually, Jake has a good There's video. Stuff. Jake, if I sent Jake the video, Jake, if you could pull There's it up and play from. Oh, what's up, Chavo? All right, go and get out of here. What's up, big boy? Go on. Uh, okay, so glizzy, I realized was. Kyle's generation, Gen Z, talking about hot dogs. Am I Gen and Z? Are you? I don't like to claim Gen Z. Well, whatever. Um, so I didn't realize that's what a hot dog was. I figured it out because whenever we're golfing or whatever, uh, especially if it's here, like at Monarch, they make the uh, – it's like a hot dog with like mustard, avocado, mm. bacon, like all – you know, everything. And so I thought it was like a special hot dog. I didn't realize it went for all hot dogs, but you know, there's Chicago dogs, there's junkyard dogs from Wienerschnitzel. Like I know my hot dogs. Okay. And, uh, so I figured out that that's what they were joking about because at the turn or early in our golf trip, I'm just down in these things like freaking Skittles. And when you're eating on a golf course, you got to house them fast. You know, it's like a cone dude. It's like a conehead eating a Subway, you know, like the Subway sandwich. We come from France. So um, that's what I became known as, the glizzy gobbler. And I realized it wasn't that cool. At first, I thought it was kind of cool. And then I was like, nope. And now you and Josh, Josh Allen and Kyle just crush me all the time. But now I just send them hot dog memes and stupid stuff. So. I mean, it's pretty cool. I don't know. I've, every time I've golfed with you, though, it's not like you have one glizzy. You have like. Two to four. Oh, I'm gonna do the two. same Gotta thing. I, I I judge a golf course off of its off. I would say hot dog, but off of its if it's glizzy. So mm. I, I mean, you, a, a really good golf course with a crappy hot dog, they just don't pay attention to detail. So I'm with you. That's yeah. right. And I've known That's you a right. long time, and yeah, I didn't know that about you. <laughs> um, but speaking of that, though, we have known each other a long time. So, uh, your older brother and my older brother played high school football together. We're what three years apart? Yeah, yeah we're three. What year yep. did you graduate high school? Oh five. Yeah, I'm oh two. Um and uh ball boys running around, Santa Margarita, oh little guys gosh. on the sideline, juking the ref. The best the ball. A juke players on the way out to hand the ball to the ref and sprint back. It was like game day, baby. 
Jordan was head ball boy because he was the older guy, you know? Yeah. So he'd send us on like little missions like, all right, Sanchez, you got the tee, this kickoff, okay? And I'm like juiced up, you know? Because it's like your older brother telling you to do something, oh, yeah. you know? You could be uh, upstairs in the house and my brother's watching TV downstairs and he's right next to the remote, but he'll just be like, Mark, come here. And I run downstairs. He's like, grab me the remote. And I'm like, okay, cool. So yeah. whatever Jordan needed at the games, he was that would like have made head. me in sixth and seventh grade, and you in yeah. second and third grade or whatever. So oh, yeah. third and fourth grade, it's crazy. Uh, and then we went to the same high school, and and uh, and then we're all kind of neighbors. Kyle, for you in the off season, mm-hmm. um, new neighbors, and uh, and so go way back. So this is a fun one, um, and perfect time to bring you in because we got some some ball we want to talk and. I mean, we, we want to talk to guys with a big matchup each week, uh, and we want to talk to people who have a unique perspective on the position. And uh, the, probably the biggest thing Mark and I have in common is we both played, not even played, but spent the first half of our lives with Bob Johnson, learning yeah. how to play quarterback, also being around all sorts of quarterbacks, uh, played high school football for him, trained with him basically every weekend, our entire childhood. And so... Um, We've had a lot of smart co- football conversations over the last probably two decades. And uh, so we're going to get a little bit of that today. Fired up. I love it. Uh, Kyle, you want to start it off? We'll teach tape segment one. Yeah, segment one we always do with everybody, Mark, is we go teach tape. So we like to show everyone where our guys started. So we'll pull this up, Jake. We always like to give a little background on, on the OG-ness of Mark Sanchez. We've had a lot oh, of good dear. pictures. So you have a ton of great pictures out, and you already know this. but. Um, we just want to get a little, a little more context on some of these picks. Uh, okay, so this is Pete Carroll. The hair is just so no good. excuse for that. No excuse for that. That is, it's sexy. That's what are you talking about that hair is nice. That's embarrassing. Looks like uh, Vinny Chase from Entourage. Um, that's bad. That's what everyone um, wanted to be, though. Vinny Chase. Like, yeah, yeah, I mean, he did kind of, he did kind of steal my look, and then you nice. know, stole all the babes in L.A. Not cool. That was the look. And look at Pete Carroll. He basically looks the same. Exactly. And it probably is <laughs> really wearing, was wearing the same shoes today that he was wearing then, the same style. I, th- I thought that was Owen Wilson. He's definitely in some new balances. <laughs> Owen Wilson. Yeah. They have the same nose, dude. It's crazy. That's a great nose. All right, Jake. Oh, next man. one. So this is clearly a white pants Wednesday, important phone call, most likely the president. Um <laughs> I mean, it makes sense. I don't know. T-shirt shrunk in the wash, maybe a little. I don't know. So let's or talk the kids about this. Just getting this, ripped. Is, <laughs> this is GQ magazine, right? Is that what the shoot was? Yeah. Okay. So how? Like, <sighs> I'm not. I, I'm not going to judge you on what the stylist had had you do, but like, they pull up. You're fired up to the shoot, man. I'm going to be on the cover of GQ. This is crazy. Your life's changing, right? You just had the Rose Bowl. You just went off. You declare you're going early. You know what I mean? I don't know if this is. Have you been drafted yet? Uh, I had just been drafted. We did this shoot with Hillary Rhoda, who was a yeah. swimsuit model at the time. And then, uh, I did some solo pictures, then some, uh, I guess you'd call them like couple pic- buddy pictures, you know? Yeah. Uh, so all then- this is happening. Like Andy just got fifth pick and you're now a multimillionaire and you probably just bought your house. Like, and so you show up to this GQ shoot, right? And you're like, Oh my God, this is so sick. This like, I- I'm not talking shit right now at this point i'm like this is pretty awesome <laughs> not yet and then and then this person wheels out and goes all right here's what we're gonna do with this sh-. what was your reaction when like you're like that's my shirt not hillary's because yeah. because for anybody who's watching this 
you never at any point in your life dressed like that. So like they wheel yeah, it out and ask you to snug. wear that. It's not like they pulled it out of your closet. I know you well enough. Like, um, what was your reaction? Well, I think, I think, especially at that time, I'm just kind of going with the flow. I'm a pretty go with the flow kind of guy. Um, and there were a couple outfits we said no to, if you can imagine that. And if this one, <laughs> if this one passed, if this one passed, there was one coming out of the water and the water was freezing by the way, but it was like a, a mesh kind of shirt. And mm. I was ready to nix that one. And we kind of went into this like back and forth negotiation. Like, are you going with that one or this one? And I was like, why do I have to choose between these two crappy options? Why can't I just have like They're one good option? <laughs> yes. And the, you know, I'm the I'm the quote unquote talent in the shoot, right? And I'm just getting mollywopped by these, you know, stylists <laughs> and stuff. And they're just like, yeah, but you got to do this, and this is kind of fashion forward, and this, and you know, we'll compromise on that. And then by the end, I was just like, whatever, dude, whatever. You guys know what you're doing, apparently. And uh, yeah. So. Did you catch a bunch of shit when you went into New York right after? Oh this? God. Well, a lot of it was pretty tasteful. The little. Exposed midriff, that was silly. But uh, I feel like the shirt off one, you know, running like the David Hasselhoff one, yeah. that one was Bart Scott from the Jets put that everywhere. Every TV in the building, and there's like 500 TVs in the building. So it was just on everything. And uh, so I couldn't really escape it. Uh, but it was, you know, it became one of those things that guys laughed at. I laughed at it as well. And then they were cool. Like, they're like, we get it, dude. You're in a really unique position. Capitalize on it and have fun with it. And it's, I think if I would have got like mad about them joking about it, then they might not have accepted it as well. But weird. It was, it was cool. Yeah. I don't think there's a lot of guys who could pull that off. Like <laughs> not only that look, but then being able yeah. to take all the heat afterwards. I think like if anyone was going to do the GQ shoot, you were perfect for it. My man. Thank you. And you also shaved chest there too. That phase like, quarterbacks that were like flashy were just wearing like nice suits like it wasn't as fashion right. forward as right now you know what i mean right like, oh yeah I mean, no. look at what i mean not even just what like style icons are wearing but like, like what joe burrow is wearing to game you know what i mean it's just like it's a thing now it's well, super yeah, acceptable. Like, that, like it was the, not at that time everybody just wore baggy suits <laughs> yeah it was like the it's like the perpetrator walk you know now yeah. and they get these guys walking into the stadium you saw what caleb williams wore to game one at the coliseum i was like holy smoke what is that you know but i don't know fashion the ripped jeans looked almost like the uh like some britney spears or somebody would wear or like something like that somebody on stage like shakira or uh somebody like a but like cam athlete, newton yeah. yeah like a performing artist uh cam newton uh russell westbrook like those guys are you know if I'm just like the tip of the iceberg with the midriff, those guys are like, whoa, this yeah. is something that would unbelievable. Dude. I can never pull that off. And those guys, you know, they know what they're doing. They got a stylist They're, I mean, they're like in it. And so I, you know, never claimed to be never knew enough about it, but it, it's really interesting how that's grown. And now it is a thing, you know, you have to have, now they got 17 games. They got 17 outfits just at to get least. out of the car and get to the stadium. At least you're right. Yeah, quick Cam Newton story on that. So he would have like these designer brands just send him their collections. So he had, oh, like, I bet. He, I forgot what brand it was, but he told me he had this brand like send him the collection for him and like his entire family. And he was like, just send me an invoice and like whatever we keep, like we'll pay for it. And he told me his right. invoice ended up being $110,000. <laughs> I believe it. And he was like, he was pissed about it, but it was too late. 
it's hard to say no once you have it, yeah. right? And some people forget, some stuff gets caught up in the shuffle, and boom, that's an extra $500,000. You know what I mean? Like, it just yeah. it just adds up, and you're like, oh, why did I keep this orange scarf that I've never yeah. worn, you know? That I wore once, <laughs> and I hung it up. Oh, man. So you, normally when we do teach tape, then we'll pull up some plays from uh, from the season. You know, we get mostly active guys on here. You're obviously a legend, but your film is super grainy. Um, it's really old film. <laughs> It was kind of like watching with Norv Turner, watching the old Philip Rivers tape. So uh, we got a different throw Ouch. in here. Jake, if you can pull up that throw. Yeah, old tapes at some point just look like cartoons. It's just a blurry football looking guy. Oh, I got, a bone to, I got a bone to pick with Jamie. Is that J-O-B? Oh, drop it? Well. Is that Jamie, Jamie? Like J-O-B? Jamie O'Brien. Oh, yeah. That's my guy. So. Listen, we did we did about twenty some takes on this. Okay, I'm like eighteen to twenty, dude. Just dropping <laughs> dimes. Okay, and I'm feeling pretty good about it because I was really nervous when we first when they first showed me like where it was. People are like, "Oh, this is easy," but there's the elevation element. It was a little windy, and the guy's moving at a different pace than you're kind of used to. Mm-hmm. And sure, you have experience throwing to moving targets and all that, but you're on like a flat field or at least a crown field, so you have a pretty good idea. There's lines, like you've made those throws before. So it's a little different, right? Like a carnival game versus a real game or something, right? So a couple of them, <laughs> dude, almost like broke his nose. <laughs> they were so good, like perfect. He like, dude, the ball just jumped on him so fast, like it, it was like he's trying to catch a rattlesnake or something. Like he just <laughs> ah, like just <laughs> like loses it at the last second. One of them he did jump off the board and had like a really nice catch. And it looks like you know, did he survive the catch? We got the whole Des Bryant Cowboys deal mm-hmm. going. Uh, it was um, it was pretty cool. But he was a great sport, um, incredible surfer, bad hands. <laughs> yeah, most people are watching this. are like, who are you talking about? Jimmy O'Brien is a pro surfer, lives on the North Shore, charges it. Gnarly. He's kind of jackass, but he was the first oh, yeah. guy to go like, I'm not going to try and go pro and get paid this. I'm just going to start my own YouTube channel. And then it blew up. So uh, who is J-O-B is a great YouTube follow for sure. His whole crew was incredible. They were first class all the way and funny as heck. Yeah. Um, all right, let's shift over here. QB room. You've been to a bunch of bunch of rooms how many teams you play on six six teams how many years 10 10 years so either way how how many teams it is that room changes every year so out of the 10 give me us give us like the top two or three rooms and you know when i ask that i'm not being like who statistically speaking completed the most balls out of each room yeah no no no, no. what was the best like rooms oh you and i have shared a couple of teammates i think i know one in particular uh, wait where are you going who old man brunel yeah brew i was a rookie with brew you were yeah in washington he was he was the starter oh wow and yeah oh seven yeah i played with jason too yeah jason and todd collins were the three wow. so one of the best one of the best like i don't want to say hazing but like shit that rookies has to do i still I, for even doing what i've been doing i still haven't seen anything this good he made me put a dip in for him and take it out for him of his mouth <laughs> it's just one of the best 
And he called me Bodie from Point Break. And he didn't even really dip either, too. He wasn't like a dipper. But like he like had one. And uh he called me Bodie from Point Break. And that's great. Bodie, don't do it. Bodie. I'm ready. And then he hits full recline <laughs> oh, and sticks his butt out. <laughs> That's so true. And I love That's that. so good. I love that. He, uh, uh, is that one of the best rooms though? Just having him in there? He was great. Him and it was a good relationship um, as friends with him, Kellen Clemens and Kevin O'Connell, who's now the head coach of the Vikings and Bruce now. Uh, um, quarterback coach in he, Detroit. Yeah. Quarterback coach for Detroit. So they were amazing guys you could tell both of them would coach i didn't know brew was going to get into it the way he has now and he's loving it it sounds like but his kids are grown you know so he's he's got time um o'connell we knew from the jump was going to be a coach but those guys were like uh we actually (laughs) after thanksgiving (laughs) one year we have the whole team out to this thanksgiving event and then um we, we went and toilet papered Nick Mangold's house with Kevin O'Connell and his wife, me and Scotty McKnight. Um, I don't, I'm trying to remember if Brew went with us. I think he was in the car to go and then bailed at the last second. But I mean, we just thrashed Mangold's house and then it was our job to go pick him up on the way to the, to the game, like two days later. <laughs> and he goes, can you guys believe this? And he gets in the car and we were going to tell him like, ha ha jokes on you. And there's still toilet paper everywhere. And we, dude, we were launching in like high trees, really high. So clearly it was somebody with like an arm, right? And so we thought he would know right away, whatever. Dude, he was not happy. He had family there, <laughs> new baby, was pissed. And so he gets in the car and Scotty's in the back seat and we're kind of looking at each other and he's fuming about this stuff. And he's like, we had to pick this up for hours. We're still not even close to done. My whole family's here. There's so embar- I think it was these Giants fans down the street. And I was like, oh, shit. So I look at Scotty in the rearview mirror, and I'm like, I'm not telling him. Dude, yeah. we didn't tell him for like seven, eight years that we did it. Three years? No like, way. <laughs> we never told him. We waited till we had him on a podcast one time and then disclosed it on there. And he was so pissed. <laughs> um, that was a good one. And then the next one I'll tell you is um, – Tebow and McElroy. And so you got to understand the Tebow mm-hmm. and McElroy um, history before, or McElroy's history before you understand the Greg Tebow history. So I'll try and do it quickly, concisely. But Greg was our rookie with me, Brunel, and O'Connell. Clemens had uh, gone after that year. He went somewhere else. So it's me, Brunel, O'Connell, Greg McElroy from Alabama, right? Well, Greg was like anti rookie duties. So it only made it worse. Mangold finally jumped on the train and was like, I want dip, new dip. I want sunflower seeds. I want this, that, and the other. Every Thursday, uh, I want food on, on Saturdays when we travel. I want uh, – and he just kept adding stuff because Greg would bitch about it. Greg would complain to everybody like, I can't believe they're making me do this because he had just come from Alabama, won a national championship, and he's more popular than Elvis in the South, right? So he thinks he's, you know, hot shit. And – so we just buried his ass, like just <laughs> reckless stuff that we didn't even need. But we just, hey, go grab us some pencils from the uh, break room. Uh, go get us some more coffee. This one's too cold. You know, we just kept adding. It's like your your big brother, right? He's going to bully yeah. you and bully you and mess with you until yeah. if he says, you, you know, say, don't show, touch my like, face, he's going to touch your yeah, face. Yeah, like then he's going to, you know, wipe boogers on your face and just do stuff like that, right? So, <laughs> so we're just, poor Greg, <laughs> just wearing his ass out, right? And, the next year, we get Tebow. Well, O'Connell and um, uh, 
Brunel were now gone and Greg was like trying to take out his aggression on anybody, yeah. you know? <laughs> and so we do these third down meetings and uh, this was after actual practice, after actual meetings later in the evening, we'd watch tape with the centers, whatever, all the QBs and centers. Well, then Greg would try and big boy Tim and Tim wasn't having it. <laughs> and so it's mangled the centers, me, Greg and Tim in the meeting room. And we put a couch, a sofa in our quarterback room. We called it the quarterback lounge and the QBL. And uh, Sweet. and Greg, when he'd get all frustrated with whatever and couldn't, you know, haze anybody, the new guy, like Tim was already a vet at the time. You know, like you can't really make him do anything. And if it really came down to it, Tim would just beat his ass. So it was like, <laughs> <laughs> it just wasn't going to happen, right? So then Greg would just, he'd kind of look over and just like watch this. And just throw a grenade in the middle of the room and be like, hey, Tim, you know, how come we don't hear about dinosaurs in the Bible? Or he'd say something like oh. biblical, and then it would just turn into a holy war about, you know, we're, you know, arguing about this and who got the actual, uh, you know, covenant and Jacob, Joseph and Isaac and like, like, dude, Tim and Tim has like this crazy knowledge. It's It's impressive, actually. But Greg would just blow up the room and Mangold would go, well, we got another holy war. I'm out. (laughs) Do you think Greg was like back at home studying different things about the Bible to get Tim on too? Probably. And just trying to like, you know, put traps out there. Like, dude, it was so funny. Like that was a, that was a good room. Those guys were funny, man. They were really funny. All good teammates, all good players and just good time. That's like big personalities in that room too. Like Greg McLeod and Tebow. Even you. Yeah. Who do you think your favorite? Those are like, brands. Who was? Those are those three yeah. brands oh, in the room. 100%. Yeah. And it was, uh, it was fun, man. It was really funny. Who do you think your favorite, like, just overall backup was? You see guys like, we were talking about um, Rivers again. We were talking about Rivers the other day. My center played um, with Rivers a couple yeah. years ago in uh, LA. And remember how the story of him, he had the van when they moved from um, yeah. San Diego to LA? They had the him van. and Kellen would go in there. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so he said that he took him home on Christmas one day because he, um, the center lived in San Diego. Like his parents were from there. He was like, "Hey, do you mind dropping me off on the way home?" He was like, "Yeah, just hop in the van." So he gets in the van, and they had like the two big captains' chairs in there. Yeah, and one of them had seventeen on it, and one of them had ten for Kellen Clemens. So he built him a seat in the van. (laughs) Hilarious. Who do you think your favorite backup was? Um, I like. God, that's hard to say because Brunel's all time. McElroy was awesome. Um, I think I think one of the coolest stories about O'Connell though was um, the year we played the Pats in the divisional and beat them on the road. Kevin, we uh, I say we, the team won the game. I was a part of the team, obviously, but those guys. So it was Bill Callahan, our offensive line coach. Rex Ryan, uh, head coach in D.C., and then Mike Pettin, who was the D.C., Dennis Thurman, Kevin O'Connell, Schottenheimer. Uh, I don't want to leave anybody out. Uh, Devlin, our offensive line assistant uh, and tight ends coach. They were all in the room scheming that entire week. And I stayed at the hotel across the street from the facility, so I didn't have to drive all the way home. And we were there till 11, 12 every night. Those guys working on their stuff, me and Shadi doing more offensive stuff, but we were scheming our ass off. And um, we had gotten, we beat them early in the year, 
at home, got absolutely smoked on the road on Monday night football and totally embarrassed to the point where Rex Ryan buried a game ball and said, we're not talking about that game anymore. We're going to see him again in the playoffs and we're going to beat him. So they're up all week and they're out on the field scheming up blitzes and Bill's trying to draw protection saying they're going to do it this way. Kevin's saying, hey, Tom's going to identify this guy's the mic. You need to delay. When you show the nickel showing off the, you know, a two by two set, you need to delay it from the nickel if you're going to try and hit him with a strong safety or corner, whatever, to get him to delay there. I mean, it was like this back and forth chess game. Who has the pen last on the board? And it went on and on and on. And they drew up multiple blitzes. And I think two of three of them got home and had free runners on Tom. And and then he was just, you know, like any quarterback, he was like, mm-hmm. oh, shit, you know, where am I going here? Boom, he got picked off early on a screen. Like, it definitely helped us win the game. There's no doubt about it. Without those meetings through the week, we don't win that ball game. And all those guys were a part of it, but Kevin was, like, one of the driving forces. So that, like, I give him a ton of credit for that. And we knew he was going to coach. Did I ever know he was going to be a head coach? I didn't know that back then, maybe. I knew for sure he'd be a coordinator. But, damn, dude, that was, like, that was really cool. Because you see all those guys just fired up on the sidelines knowing there was just, like, a look, like, boys we got them like that was a lot of work to do but it was worth it just seeing their faces after the game that's awesome you don't normally hear of offensive like guys like koc trying to dial up blitzes for the defense and telling them how to run it because they all have their own stuff to do but to get them together for like this one special prize like the like the manhattan project you know coming up with the atomic bomb or something like these guys had to come up with something bigger than life to to make it work against the best quarterback ever on koc that makes sense uh koc did draft prep for a little bit also called games for san diego so he was trying to figure out what he wanted to do and um i remember i think it was a year that we had done some draft prep stuff together Petten was in cleveland and had hired him to like just do a consulting gig remote just like (laughs) start working on next week's consulting gig that's how it starts yeah and so and i just remember like halfway through the season i was like hey koc how is it and he's like dude i love it the axis knows i miss it blah 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 and then poof he was gone um and so yeah there's like different parts of the game that you love you know some people just love playing quarterback you know and some people love everything about it and some guys love the axis and i like the development side i like seeing somebody get better i don't i mean i gotta you know we can talk protections but that's not what moves me you know what i mean and so Yep. There's a lot of different elements of the game to to embrace. But, um, yeah, KOC. So I'm at your 4th of July party this year. It's good to see him again. He's a man. So one of the things I wanted to get from from your perspective is kind of your state of the union on the quarterback position. So you've been kicking it with me in the off seasons and the different age and level of quarterbacks that come around. You have all of your own experiences from playing. Like I said, being around Bob Johnson and Brett and those guys, the amount of, and then Elite 11 for all those years, you kind of like seen everybody and you're watching it. Now you're calling games at a super high level. Like, what's your kind of state of the union right now? Like, Ooh, where wow. the position is and where it's headed. I, I know it's pretty vague, but no, um, I remember maybe like a lot what's of those. changed since yeah. you played, you know? I think, um, well, one, I think I only took three snaps of, shotgun my entire last year at usc the entire season so that's completely different i think the amount of reps going into uh you know junior high high school college because of seven on seven because of 
all the passing league stuff has just grown exponentially. Um, I think some of the, I remember them talking about it at all those, remember like the Nike camps and spark camps and Mm -hmm. elite 11 camps. They were just talking about this evolution of the quarterback position and how these guys are going to have to run. And they're going to start seeing more athletes playing quarterback. And, you know, I thought, you know, I was a pretty good athlete, but not compared to the guys playing now. I mean, it's like night and day. Some of the way running around for 20 seconds, like Kyler Murray to get a two point convert. I mean, that was crazy. It was crazy. And now that's obviously one end of the spectrum, him, Lamar Jackson, Jalen Hurts, Russell Wilson, but it's growing, right? The days of Tom Brady and Matthew Stafford and Phillip Rivers and all these kind of guys, those it's like the sun's kind of setting on that type of prototype, right? Like you got to be able to move at least a little bit. You got to have some short area quickness, get out of trouble, extend plays. You might not have to be Lamar Jackson or Kyler Murray, but there's got to be some athletic element to what you do. And um, so I've seen that change. I think, um, you know, even a guy like Burrow, Burrow is more athletic than people give him credit for. And that dude can really move. Justin Herbert, same thing, more of a pocket passer, but the dude can move. So um, I feel like that's that's a little different. I think guys coming into the league now are coming in with um, a little less of the basic uh, prerequisite football knowledge. And what I mean by that is fronts, like gaps, coverages, um, that like base knowledge that we when we would pour over in the off season and you'd have rookie school in the off season. That was when the off season started in, you know, end of February, early March. And now you don't start till so much later. You have such less time that you can't do all those, right? So you're kind of having to figure out how to play this position with code words, cut the field in half, boom, start counting cows and, and attacking space instead of identifying every single thing right and so um it's just a different kind of guy that gets in that gets in and then hopefully they have somebody almost like a throwback kind of coach that can kind of bring them along as they're developing these past concepts and stuff so um it's it's definitely evolving it sure is fun to watch and uh it is nice sometimes to see you know that like old uh, that that old school style of quarterback, whether it's Tom Brady or or Flacco Matt Stafford or whoever, yeah, like it's just it's just fun to watch. Yeah, I think we talk about it a lot in our quarterback room. Just kind of on Mondays and Tuesdays, we kind of go around the league and we watch the touchdown reel. You know, you got the touchdown reel. That's the best. That's the best. It's so it's good. So good. Also, the interception reel, pretty good too. I like watching <laughs> the interception reel. Not to be a hater, but it's nice to know that other people suck sometimes too. <laughs> <laughs> like dude he's the best in the world and yeah he, like where was that ball going yeah we you actually know? had one this week because we missed a couple of throws in the game i can't remember if it was this week or last week and so our coach put together like a, a reel of like brady and rogers and like a couple yeah. other guys from like the week before just missing throws and let's just like just to say it's a part of the game you know like even the yeah. best are gonna miss throws oh no doubt. i guess we, the only other thing the only other thing i would say about quarterback even the guys who can move and i i think you'd both agree at a certain point, you got to win for the pocket. You have like, to. When you play, you get down to those final four teams and it's championship weekend, you better be able to throw it from the pocket anywhere from 10 to 15 dropbacks, get through, pass your first and second progression, 
move over one, up one, whatever it is, make a right. subtle move in the pocket, step up and deliver a strike on your third or fourth read. I mean, in between defenders, tight window, like bottom line, good teams are going to find a way to silo you in the pocket and make you beat them as a passer. I think that is, you said it perfectly with the move one up, move one to the left, move one to the right. I think the movement part of it, it's not even like Kyler Murray sprinting out and right. making guys miss or Lamar moving. It's Mahomes in the pocket movement. It's his yep. ability to get by that three tech or that guard that's going by and push up to the right and then find his 50 yard post and put it on the money. Or he oh, just yeah. does that like 30% of his throws in the games are conflict climb, movement in the pocket, find mm-hmm. somebody. Same with Josh. I think that's where the position's going. I think it's simplifying the offense because we talk about it all the time. Defenses are in nickel way more than ever. Yeah, like you probably saw so much base in your time in the league. Like, oh base, yeah, base, base, it was like, like two separate game plans, and exactly. just in case if they play nickel, like right, yeah, right. <laughs> but nowadays, it's like when we're in twelve personnel, like when we're in twenty-one personnel, a lot of teams will match that with nickel because they want to play with speed, and even the linebackers are getting lighter. So the more speed on the field the tighter the windows and the more you're seeing offenses just kind of simplify things because defense is getting way more complicated too. I feel like they weren't, they were getting more complicated in your time. But even now, if you watch like you're doing all the games, you watch a team like Tampa Bay or you watch a team like Kansas city, like their type of defense, the blitzes on third down are, are there too much to just handle and be able to pick everything up. So when you simplify things, I think you watch Buffalo do it a lot. A lot of times they just go either five man protection gone and give them all the options Yep. Or they go seven-man slide and let them sit in there and just slide and pick all, and yep. wad everybody up. And there's just too much, too much room for error and six-man stuff at times. Like, mm-hmm. There's too much. so many guys. And it becomes paralysis by analysis trying to figure yep. out, okay, is the back scanning? Is he not scanning? Is he responsible for this guy? Not? It's like, dude, at some point you got to snap the ball. It looks so yeah. good on paper, though. It Such does look nice. <laughs> and it sounds good, too. We're yeah. gonna pick up this looper, and then the nickel is gonna be late, so the back will be able to go behind you and my get favorite, him. My favorite is when you get like running back coaches, and they're just like, "Wait, wait, wait, hold on." So if I get this straight, when they run this blitz, we're gonna be one on one with the three technique, who yeah. outweighs my guy by exactly. about two hundred pounds. Okay, just making sure everybody's good with that, <laughs> which happens way more often than you like, think. That's a matchup nightmare, you know. Yeah, like, we have uh, one like when people go double A. Sometimes we'll just put our back up in the A gap, and then we'll say, uh, "We'll be like, hey, if your guy leaves, just stay there for the looper, you know. Yeah. Yep. Just wait for uh, just Cam same Jordan, foot, same shoulder that that, oh, that looping three technique." Uh, yeah, on the movement side of things, it's like this game for a long time has been this way, but it definitely is now. Like it, it just comes down to the quarterback's ability to create time and space, and people yeah, do that yeah. differently. Um, Lamar does that differently than Ben Roethlisberger did that. Um, and so I think if you can run and you can be productive with the ball in your hands running, that's one element. But if you, I mean, we see Tom Brady buy time all the time by sliding up to the perfect spot, completely on balance, in a position to drive the football anywhere on the field. And so it's just, I, 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 when I see like these young guys and all that stuff, one of the fears I have with the, the top recruits, the big time kids, the kids that are making a lot of money in high school right now, is like, are they going the pathway towards becoming an NBA superstar or are they going the mm. pathway towards becoming an NFL quarterback superstar? And it's not an indictment on NBA. But when there's a lot of guys, you can you can do just as much as everyone else in the NBA. And if you're super talented, you can be an all-star, right? Yeah. You can work just as hard as everyone else. And 
in the NFL at quarterback, I haven't seen very many people sustain success over a long period of time. Yeah. Just kind of doing what everyone else does, like to sustain success over a long period of time at the quarterback position in the NFL, you got to do a lot more oh, than yeah. everybody else does. A oh, lot yeah. more physical, mentally, and emotionally. And so, yeah. and you have to have more control over your off the field and the life and everything. So, that's like one of the fears I have is that these guys, they're young, they're going to make a lot of money. Everything is yes. Every, every reinforcement yeah. they get is a positive one. So, it's working. I don't like it. What do I have to change? It hasn't not worked yet. Right. Uh, and then they go to college, they don't get developed, they get thrown out there. And if, you know, at some point that talent, so that's like the, you know, fear I have with some of these young guys that I go 20 years from now, the game will be different, but I think this is still going to come down to the dude who's actually willing to outwork everybody. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And is really, I agree. Like, it's still gonna, like, we're still going to end up needing that, you know, you're still going to need um, them both. Yeah. I agree with that. It's a great take. Yeah. Um, all right, Kyle, what do you got? All right. So I want to stick on, you know, the, the, status of quarterbacks in the league right now but i want to do it a little differently i want to do a little segment where i want to get your thoughts quick all right i'm going to read out oh no names of quarterbacks okay <clears throat> okay you're you're a very quick-witted person so i think you're gonna be really good at this i just want your first first thoughts that come to your mind when you hear the quarterback's name all right it doesn't have to be polarizing <laughs> but you are a polarizing person so okay all right you ready okay. joe burrow joe cool Oh, cool. Justin Herbert. Let him off the bus first. Cool. I like that one. Justin Fields. Baller. Smooth. Needs help. Needs help. Facts. Get him some players. Cooper Rush. Oh, reliable. He's got to win half the games. I think he's going to play seven weeks. So give me three wins, buddy. I like it. Tua. Revamped, reinvigorated, rejuvenated. Mm. Kyler Murray. Ooh, um, I would have said like Speedy Gonzalez or something. <laughs> like my man's just all over the place. He's like, uh, um, God, Sonic the Hedgehog or something. There you go. The the analogy going right now is that he runs like a toddler who stole something for, for like took something from his mom or something like that <laughs> like an angry toddler and it's like i can't unsee it i can't unhear that <laughs> that's pretty good that's so perfect for parents you get it yeah. that's funny yeah. so fast uh, all right kirk cousins steady steady um kyle allen hmm hmm sure he's still out yeah glizzy <laughs> cool. Secondary in line and glizzy cobbler. Uh Derek Carr. Ooh. I think he's uh unfairly judged. Mm. I think he gets I, nobody in the last five years has been through more bullshit. No starting quarterback's yeah, been through more I, bullshit I, than Derek Carr. I think and he, had to deal uh, with it. I, I don't know if he gets enough credit. And he's I mean, as soon as they get you know, a major playoff win, get to a championship game or something, I think, or even a Super Bowl, then for sure. But I don't know if he's gotten a fair, fair, fair shot there. I feel like that's always been the hump for him, though. It's always been like the big game. And it's going to be I, for everybody, right? Like until you yeah. win it, then you're just kind of circling the, the dance, you know, and like, do you belong here? And that's just a really high bar. But unfortunately, that's just kind of the way it goes. 
It's kind of like the Kirk Cousin Monday night stat too. Did you see that? No Tony doubt. No Monday doubt. Night. He was that was hanging over him for a while, and then he won that playoff game in uh in New Orleans too, which kind of that was the him. yeah yeah you're right. All right, last one, Russell Wilson. Uh, let's ride. <laughs> we got a deal. <laughs> Low three. I I never see. Did you see the clip where he's telling everybody to do run and pass on the sidelines? Oh my god! Unbelievable. That. that went around I mean, in high school, a couple of our but, little text threads. But I I just had never seen that. Not at that level. Um, never no. at that level. Getting on guys too, like nine six. Run a pass. But I mean, what are you going to say? Like the dude's a Super Bowl MVP and all pro. And like, so they're like, oh, maybe this is what happened. You know, so he's got a clean slate to make it, to really mold that place into whatever he sees fit. I had just never had experience with that. So I don't. It's such a unique situation because he was in Seattle and he's a third round pick. He didn't come in there and get it the way he wanted it right away. Right. Through his first eight seasons, I think it was the status. Through his first eight seasons, nobody's ever won more games. So I mean, like the the success is undeniable. Oh, last year's the 100%. first bad year he ever had. Right. That team was terrible. Right? That team wasn't good. I mean, that been great. And I just don't know if Seattle didn't look at it like this, like rule or law of diminishing returns. Like, okay, Russ, we kind of built him up here in Seattle. This is their perspective, not my not my take, but this is me just looking at. It. Like we built him up here. It was defense. It was beast mode. It was Legion of Boom. Then it was like, let Russ cook for a little bit. And, you know, I said it on air before. I said, you know, sometimes the play gets called, gets goes into his headset. And that's just like the prompt of an essay on the SAT. Because he's going to take that play wherever he wants to go after he sees one to two. And boom, it's backyard football. It's scramble rules. And he's he's out of the pocket, moving around, buying time. And that became his game. So now that he's getting older, did Seattle think like, Okay, well, if that's his game, and he's slowly going to start declining here, why are we going to pay him $250 million to do something that he might not be able to do as well that became who he was here? Like that, I understand that argument. That makes sense to me. Okay, so we're not going to sign him to his last contract, like the Patriots, right? They never sign guys to their last contract, right? So, okay, let's, let's get him somewhere else. Let's rebuild and start over here. But now going to this new place, now he's got to figure it out again and work in with a lot of new guys. Look at uh, Tom Brady, seven and five the first year he was in in um, mm-hmm. in Tampa, and that was at the break. They had the late bye week, and they just got waxed by Kansas City. Remember that? And yeah, yeah. it was like, oh, dude, they're terrible. Tom's old. He sucks. Blah blah blah. Boom, and then they ripped off seven or eight wins in a row, and the rest is history. Matt Stafford last year. Right. Like, I think yeah. we all get caught up on the result. Like you get a new quarterback, new, new regime, whatever. Boom. Automatic Super Bowl because of Stafford and then Brady the year before. But they had a terrible November. He threw 20 some picks yeah. last year and people were all over Stafford. Like, dude, this guy sucks. Oh, we blew it. The Rams are nothing. We could have won a Super Bowl. Even we, uh, Goff got us to the Super Bowl and this guy sucked. Like, it's crazy. Right. So yeah. it's only two weeks. I still don't understand the run passing. However, it's only two weeks. Um, and, you know, you got to give it time to really, to really let it marinate. But it's just, you know, people want it now. And you, get, you forget about the process because people are caught up in the results. Yeah. Well, I, I think... Sorry, that was a so tangent. Russell to Denver. 
No, the, like Russell to Denver is actually, I think if I had to write down on a whiteboard, the most interesting storylines for me personally to follow this year, I actually think it's like the first or second one for me because in Seattle, he comes in third round pick, right? That's, that's John Schneider, who is a really good GM. And that's Pete Carroll, yep. who was a legendary coach and all that, right? And so he comes in and he's just the quarterback, do it, you know, almost the Patriot way, whatever that was in Seattle, right? So do things correctly, all that Go stuff. Off. And, you know, we all know Trevor Moad, um, who's a close, you know, has been close with all of us, very close with me, passed away, the, the best sports psychologist I've ever met. But he didn't work with Russ the way that he worked with other people. He was like incredibly involved on a daily basis for the last decade. You know what I mean? Like it was a lot more than like a, and so, so he leaves. It's a new owner. So it's not even a new coach. It's a new team. It's a, the team has a new coach. The team has a new GM and a new owner. It's a lot. And so the slate, I would argue, is actually the cleanest slate any franchise guy who went to a new team's ever got. Fair. Right? Like when Stafford went into that Rams locker room, there's a bunch of guys yeah. on the team who were already, they were in the Super Bowl with the Rams a couple years ago, right? Yeah. Everything's brand new in Denver. And then you give them a new contract, which basically means, Russ, how would you like to do everything? Yeah, that's right. And so I just think, he's the type of guy because he's so all in that he's going to go like, like I had parent, I had back to school night the other night and you have the little pieces of paper where for, for first grade and you can sign up for the little volunteer list. And there's something I volunteered to come in and be the mystery reader. Right. Nice. And then my wife volunteered to be mom and the, and the, the volunteer mom for this thing. Like Russ is the guy who goes, sign me up for every single thing. Yeah. Good point. Like I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll organize the off season. I'll do this. I'll make sure we get run pass called. <laughs> I'll make sure, like, you know what I mean? I'll make sure all the plates are put I away the when we're done. Milk. And this room is cleaner than the room. <laughs> the room's cleaner when we left it than when we got That's here. It. Like, I just see him saying yes to everything that you could volunteer <laughs> yeah. for. Yeah. And I'm fascinated to see if that can, if he can hey, do that. I got not. the chocolate milk. I got the uh, applesauce. I got <laughs> yeah. like a little cut up carrots. I'm in charge of snacks <laughs> and I'm the coach. <laughs> and I'll make sure I get everybody. Yeah. yeah. Like, and I'll let you know who we're drafting. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> probably that too yeah it. so that's like that might be a lot, a lot on that plate but that's what he wanted in seattle though too right yeah that was no, kind no. of one of it's the like, like it's like i wanted more i want more power and then it's like whoa th well this is a lot though. well now you have all of it yeah <laughs> Dude, you, like careful what you ask for that's exactly I think, right. like a lot of people forget too like i know i forgot that that was denver's first choice was to try and get aaron and it was close to being a deal and it was supposed to be Hackett and Aaron together. And I think it's right. kind of just like been rushed under the rug. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they gotta, I, I'll dude, say they this, Denver could win week. that division and they could, they could win three games this year. I, it, right. Literally, I think the, it could go range, one of those yeah. two directions. The range is huge. They got a big so, one this week against San Fran, dude. That's, yeah. I mean, yeah. oof, that's a big one, big dog. For that's both sides. One. San Fran's defense, dude. Oh For both gosh. sides. That's, that's a real game. Oof. That's a good yeah. one. I can't wait to watch that. Yeah. Well, you got a good one this week, too. Let's go. You got Rams Cardinals. Yeah. yeah. Excited for that one. I think it's cool, man. I, I remember when we used to talk, um, I think it was like a year and a half ago when you were trying to get in to calling games. Oh, I yeah. think you had to like, what was your story? You had like, they gave you three games that you were <laughs> yeah. maybe for the audition. Call. Yeah. For your audition. It's never that hard. It's so ridiculous. <laughs> and, uh, I understand why they do it to make it really tough on everybody and like lower the bar for everybody. So if you excel in any way, it's like, okay, we can mm -hmm. work with this. This guy's got talent, but make the circumstances so difficult. 
just to see if you can show any promise. And uh, they give you like three potential games with uh, three or four different teams. And you're like studying rosters and thinking you have to have every single thing memorized. And the game, it, it happens in the off season. So the games that they're talking about are from the year before. And I like, I'm like, just part of me was like, just go watch the game. You know, just go watch yeah. them. You'll know everything. And I'm like, no, they're going <laughs> to know. Machines. They're totally yeah. going to know. Yeah. Nobody's going to know. Everybody's going to know. Like, <laughs> that's the conversation I have in my head. And I'm just like, I refuse to watch the games. I refuse to watch the games. I'll stay up all night Mark. and and learn it. And it was, I was so nervous and so stressed for those auditions. And then after I felt like I just like totally crapped the bed. Like it was just bad. And you know, they thought, they thought it was something. So I don't know, but it was, uh, it was not easy. I was trying to use like some of my cliches or stuff you hear along the way, you know, you got good cliches too. A couple of them are yeah. solid, but like I used the, um, you know, uh, we had the, it was the bills Rams game from like two years ago. And they ran like a little pick play on the goal. line. It was basically like, I write tight wing, a blast pass all cross or whatever. Right. Or act yep. or all cross or whatever it was. And, uh, and so boom, the two underneath guys cross, bam, Jalen Ramsey runs into somebody and there goes whoever the tight end was. It was either Dawson Knox or whoever, but just wide open. Right. And I was like, listen, these guys are like two ships passing in the night. You know, you got to run mm. shoulder to shoulder. So there's no, um, you know, space in between for the DB to, to get in between you. Boom. They pick each other, create the natural pick. I said, listen, down on the goal line, you're playing man to man. It's like keeping your eye on your luggage in the airport. You don't let that thing leave your sight no matter where you go. And right there, he lost his man. And so Chris Myers was like, hey, that was great. The white zone is for immediate loading and unloading only. He said something like that. I was yeah. like, oh, well, we're going deep into the airport right now. Yeah. So Who's um, your partner this year? Is it still uh, No, no, no. It's Kevin Kugler is uh, my partner for last year and this year. But I did my audition with Chris Myers, so. Okay. It was. Uh, it was How really did he fun. react when you? Uh, I did an audition with Chris Myers as well in the Fox <laughs> Studios. Yeah, uh, he was good. He was a good. long time ago. Um, he was like awesome. One, one did well. One didn't. It's a it's a trip awkward. when you meet somebody who's like you've heard them yes. talk on TV for so many years, yes. and then for some reason always catch me off guard and go, "Oh no way, you actually talk like that in real life too." <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you have it. Like I was at Manning Camp this year, and they they you stay in dorms. And I was in a dorm with Charles Davis. And I've known Charles Davis a long time, but like, that's the voice of Yes, Madden. yes, yes. You know what that's I mean? Wild. And so then when you're like talking to him about the weather, it's just a trip. You're like, I know this guy is the Madden voice. And he's sitting here going, like talking about all these bugs and how hot it is tonight. And it's just, it always, Chris Myers is definitely one of those guys that's such a unique oh, yeah. voice. Iconic. Yeah. There's so many of them. The dude from, uh, who's the dude that calls the college games all the time? Uh, Gus, Gus Johnson. Johnson. Street? Gus Johnson. He's good. Gus Johnson. He's hilarious. Guy. So how did your partner react to your um, your nice quote from this weekend? I saw you posted it on your Instagram too. Yeah. I want to read it for you or you can read it for yourself. You might have memorized it. But it said, uh, Shelton is clearing out defenders faster than a teenager clears out their search history. Um, so Kev was like, what do you mean by that? You know, I know you hang out with comedians, like, Adam Ray and all that. Like, you thought that ahead of time. You're like, I'm going to drop this hey man, in here. I can't give up my sources. I've been, I've been, this is my favorite third and six play. I'm calling been, it in this situation. I've been, hanging, I've been hanging on to that one. That was a, um, a friend. That was your sudden change. That play. was a, fr- a fringe, pre- uh, fringe play shot call. 
one shot. Yeah. And um, call it no kill on I it. Had, no kill. I had a, we're yeah, call it and run it, baby. Um, yeah. I had that one for a little bit. I had it last year. I just didn't have the the cojones to uh, to let that one ride. But um, oh, you had it all the way back last yeah. year. You get pushback on that or no? Uh, they, you know, listen, it's network, so they're not going to want it. me like yeah. majoring and stuff like that. Like, obviously, it's a it's an internet porn reference. Okay. Like if you didn't get it, Kyle, that's what <laughs> yeah. it is. So, um, you. I, I was no, so, you I know, they're like, internet porn that's probably not like your bread and butter, but listen, you went there. It was funny. It got good reactions. You know, 99% of it was positive. Like we're going to let it ride. But I did, you know, in my defense, somebody did say, you know, those memes, like get you a guy who can do both. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so one of the plays, Mariota falls down. And the play's dead, right? And I said, they had him dead to rights in the backfield. That thing was over and done with. That's like the Lazarus special. And he brought it back to life and scored a touchdown, right? And that one came mm-hmm. to me on the fly. And so somebody goes, Sanchez just went from internet porn reference to biblical <laughs> reference on one broadcast. He goes, get you a man that can do both. <laughs> so, oh, so I thought that was good. I thought that was good. That was that good. good. You're competing with RG3 right now, too. I don't know if you've is seen RG3's quotes. Is he calling games? RG, yeah. He's calling college games. Oh, I didn't know but, that. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay, so you don't know that. That's good. Let me um, let me find some of these quotes here. Uh-oh. There was a guy There was a guy on one of the college teams, and his last name was Orgy, and it was O-R-J-I. And you could tell he was just waiting for this, and he was the running back, and he ran like a 12-yard touchdown in, and RG3 goes... There's an orgy in the end zone. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone's like, wait, what? In the clip that they pulled, you couldn't see the guy's last name. So like the Twitter clip, it was just him screaming that. Oh, yeah, that's way worse. (laughs) It's tough. That's way worse. He's had some good ones, though. He had like five or six of them so far. All right, last segment here, self-scout. We're going to ask you some questions, a little trivia. Okay. We're not going to lie. These are not like layups. Okay. Um, but it's trivia like about yourself, Ooh. stuff that pertains to you. So we've seen anything from one out of five to like three out of five, oh, wow. four out of five. All right. So get your mind right. Okay. Take a sip of water. Deep breath. All right. So you play with a lot of great running backs, right? We can go down a long list. A lot of good running backs. Uh, but only and tailbacks and fullbacks. Okay. Of the fullbacks, only one of them that you played with was the 2011 Pro Football Focus All Pro. In an A and age when there's not that many fullbacks, usually more tailbacks, who would have been the 2011 Pro Football Focus All Pro team? And I was on his team in 2011. I uh, just played with him. That's all I have in my notes. 2011. With Daniel Thomason, fullback. Oh, uh, um, um, T. Rich, Tony Richardson. I knew you were going to guess that. Nope. You played with them. You didn't play with them that year. It was Jed Collins. Jed? Jed. <sighs> Jedediah Gabriel Collins. Oh, dude. A guy He's that we grew up with since we were me. very, very little. He's going to crush you. Damn. Just tell him that you didn't understand the question and blame it on yeah, me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah JC, <laughs> JC was all pro, bro. All right, so you are 0 for 1. Uh, according to Wikipedia, two Mission Viejo High School alumni have won more than one gold medal at the Summer Olympics. Can you name both of them? Can you name one of them? The gold medalist from Mission Basically, Viejo. It's got to be 
swimmer diver. I mean, the swim programs, the Natadors is like yeah. tops in the world. I remember we had multiple kids winning medals. Gol- is golf when I was one in of the school there? Things no. No, you're gonna go. Marco I was Mira, gonna huh? say Marco Mira. Um, yeah, not at Marco Mira. We got a couple of legends out of our high school. Jeez, I don't know. I'll give you one hint: soccer. Oh, oh. Um, I, know you know, I know you know this person. Oh my god. ESPN analyst. Oh my god! I think she lives in San Clemente. I, you're, I, I know what you're doing right now. You're like picturing her face and can't I remember. Can't her name. remember yeah. her name. What a jerk! <laughs> that is O for two, and Julie Fowdy oh. is not going to like it. Oh. Dang it! <laughs> I'm sorry, Julie. That's both local too. Double both local. local. I wouldn't have known Brian Goodell. He must have been a Ooh, swimmer. Yeah. All right, you were a communications major at USC. Yeah. What was your college GPA at the end? Shout out to communications major. Too. Can I give Maybe a range? Yourself. <laughs> Two was it? I'll give you to the tenth decimal. I won't. I won't hold you to the hundredth. Was I had? I had to be a three. You're a three. Three one. Yeah, three one four. Yes. All right, three one four, and you are one four three. How about the way I just that did that? Good. That was good. All right. Your coach at USC, Pete Carroll, is two years away from being the oldest coach in NFL history. How old is he right oh, now? Oh, come on. Uh, 70. Yes. Two? 71. Uh. That's, good. That's a good close miss. You are one for four. Final question. Kyle, you want to ask this one? Yeah, I guess it. A fellow you guys have a special man connection myself. here. Oh yeah, you consider yourself a glizzy connoisseur per se. We talked about this a lot. You like your toppings on there. You like all types of glizzies too. You do not discriminate. When equal opportunity, and an extra when it comes point to glizzies, bro. Yeah, yeah. There's an extra credit on this one. When and where? We'll give you an extra a point if you can tell us where. Or no, we'll give you an extra point if you can tell us when the first American glizzy was sold. Start with what oh, city do you uh, think? It's got to be Nathan's Hot Dogs in, where they do the contest, right? In Coney Island. New York? New York City. Yep. Yeah. Okay. There you go. When, when do you think it was? Oh, when? What decade? Give you a decade. Book it, uh, bonus point for the decade. The 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. And it wasn't before the 20s then, because that's where you started. Correct. Mm. Could be before the 20s. Mm. Depends which 20s we're talking about. You said glizzy, but you're mean hot dog. Yes. Like the original first American hot dog. OG hot dog. So it's obviously 1900s and it's got to (laughs) be, let's just say 1920s. 1860. No way. Oh, it was 1860? Oh, yeah, I read that as 1960s. My bad. Oh, all right. Wow. Never mind. Throw that one out there. Yeah, you wouldn't have got it anyways, so we can throw it out anyways. But American Civil War era. Who are you, one for five? One for five with an with Dude, like a really close like, on the peak. You know, I'll too. He got New York. I, I just picture like oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mel Gibson in the Patriot like loading his <laughs> muzzle <laughs> loader and sword. pouring the powder in there totally. and then just hammering a glizzy. No chance it was that old. <laughs> <laughs> That's messed up, dude. For sure. All right. Now, 
last segment, we're going to get into the two-minute drill. Uh, this is arguably Kyle and I's favorite part of the show. And just a chance for you to share your journey, man. I mean, a lot of people have talked about your journey. A lot of people have read about your journey. A lot of people have followed along at different times. Um, but a rare opportunity, we do this at camps. You know, it's usually how you get to know guys is share what, I don't know, what, what's happened in the past. So in two minutes, Oof. your journey, you can start wherever you want, however age you want. But the milestone moments, the highs and the lows that shape you and got you to that really cool chair and that really sick offense that office that has lots of awards in it. So I will throw it to you. Okay. Let's rock. Uh, I guess high school transferring schools from Santa Margarita to Mission Viejo was a big step for me. Working with Bob Johnson, learning from him, Brett, Rob, his sons. And then I remember getting my first offer. It was to Stanford thought, hey, man, this is great. I'll just go there. And my dad was excited, you know, go on different trips, end up choosing USC. I sit behind John David Booty um, or Matt Leiner the first year, then John David Booty the next two years, fill in for John David, and then I play for only one season. I said that in a quick couple sentences, but those couple years were tough, being a backup and wanting to play um, and feeling like I was talented enough to play. So that kind of hit hard, but then there was like a span of about four years there. The fill-in year for John David, my final year, the Rose Bowl, that huge launching point into the NFL, fifth overall pick, New York Jets, two playoff runs. And then the third year statistically was my best year and feeling like I'm just ascending. And um, a lot of turnover at that point, coaches, coordinators, players, and then I saw what the NFL was like because I got this early taste of, yeah, this isn't that hard, you know? And uh, when you realize there's a whole other side to this league and when you're not the starter that everybody's trying to see, um, trying to see these games and game plans and everything that goes on in that building should be seen through the eyes of your starting quarterback. When it's not that for you, the NFL is a much different place as a quarterback. And I got to, experience that um bounce around from team to team and those were some of the lowest points but in those low points i got to make great relationships and help out younger quarterbacks Dak prescott mitch trubisky um some different players and relationships along the way and then when it was time to to call it quits i felt like i might have another opportunity in tv i might be able to call games i might do studio but most importantly i need to be home i need to be with my son and so um, when he was born, football was went from the most important thing or one of the top things in my entire life to, yeah, that's going to have to take a backseat to this new, you know, uh, life that that completely changed mine for the better. So that's basically the journey in a nutshell. I don't know how did I do. That's amazing. That was awesome. You're great. I didn't know that you only played like basically a season at USC. Yeah, I think it was 16 games total, something like that. That's yeah it was quick crazy had to learn on the fly fast, in front of a lot of fast. people it's hard uh well this has been awesome man love talking ball with you love talking life with you and uh and appreciate you jumping in here and and uh sharing some of that with us man appreciate it guys we'll talk to you soon well that went about how we thought it would be which is usually like every conversation with mark super funny great stories just i didn't know that that's crazy uh, and a bunch of really good insight. Um, that's a lot of that's a lot of different quarterbacks. Like 
that's one of my favorite guys. You yeah. know what I mean? A lot of guys would say that about Mark. Um, and, uh, and a guy who was, went through his own phase of being misunderstood, his own phase of getting smoked in the media and all that, when really, like, I've known that guy, like I said, since he was little. And, like, he hadn't changed a whole lot since he was little. He's kind of the same dude he's always been, which is, which is hard to be, hard to do that. But he has. So that was fun. Yeah, he's one of the best dudes I've ever been around. And he's probably got, like, the most amount of stories that I've ever been around. I think, like, we went on that trip with him to Mississippi. I went to the Masters with him a couple of years ago. I've been around him like in spurts where like we're together for five or six days in a row, and I don't think I've heard fifty percent of his stories. Like today, yeah. there's there's probably another hour worth of stories that we didn't get to that I wish we got to. Yeah. But the dude is all time, man. Yeah, that was awesome. Um, well, and this was our first time having to just quarterback this thing and and fill in again. So I talked about in the beginning of the show. I had to shoot in a different location, different day. I'm here in UCLA's weight room meetings here today and and shooting on the fly um but that was fun putting it together and we wanted to talk ball with him at some point anyway so this worked out perfect jake our producer thanks for scrambling and putting this together brody um let's end with some gratitude man what are you uh what are you feeling gratitude towards these days um you know just kind of looking around the league early in the season you've seen a lot of guys get hurt you know you're seeing trey lance go down um it's tough to watch that you see some other guys go down with some injuries Dak with his thumb i'm right now i'm just feeling grateful for being healthy man it's a it's a hundred percent chance that you're going to get injured playing football in the league i think that's what a lot of people have said that you're going to get hurt at some point so right now feeling great feeling feeling really grateful to be healthy what about you um I, i'm grateful uh i've been having a lot of fun man my uh ford uh who's six years old first grader uh, I'm coaching this football team and I was like super nervous about it. Cause there's six, there's, there's six and seven year olds. I had no, I had to talk to so many friends to get advice, the playbook. What do we do? What can they handle all that stuff? We had a big win. Our first game, Buffalo bills is number 17. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, we hung 30 on the board and it worked out and it's just like, it's awesome. uh, it was just so fun because it's 100% pure. You know what I mean? The longer all you play, the, the purity has gone. There's no, like, they don't even care if we win. We just want to have a blast today. Mm -hmm. And I do so much high stakes type of develop, you know what I mean? Football for guys where there's a lot on the line for them. um, And there's nothing on the line for these kids. And so it was fun. And it kind of just connected me to a different part of the game. So I'm grateful. That's some of your best memories of football too. Think of your old flag football days when you were five, six, seven, eight years old. That's one of my favorite memories. Totally. So it's fun to be smacked up in the middle of it. Uh, Corey's coaching. You know, mm-hmm. a mutual friend of ours, and and uh, yeah, it's fun. So, it's awesome. Feeling gratitude. Um, well, we're still finalizing the guest for next week, but fired up to get back into somebody who's got a big game. And uh, hopefully, you enjoyed this episode. And we will see you next week. Follow us on the socials. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Follow us on TikTok, Instagram. We'll be posting videos. Uh, lots of big guests coming up. So appreciate you if you're here listening. And we'll see you next week. Peace. <laughs>